Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com the African-Centered Encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com Seattle's a great place to visit because it has... I guess you could say a little bit of everything, but I like to think of it as a lot of everything. For the fourth year running, employees of REI have the day off today. The co-op stores are all closed on the biggest retail day of the year, and its website won't process any sales. REI says its opt-outside movement is growing. More from KNKX environment reporter Bellamy Palethorpe. The idea of Opt Outside is to encourage people to get outdoors and enjoy nature instead of working or shopping, especially on Black Friday. REI estimates more than 700 other organizations are now taking part. This year, the co-op has also teamed up with the Trust for Public Land to rank the 200 largest cities in the country on access to the outdoors. REI Vice President Alex Thompson says they looked at proximity to local parks within a 10-minute walk and to public lands within a 60-minute drive. And what we're really trying to do with this list is to encourage people to think about going outside on Black Friday instead of staying indoors. And we're also equipping decision-makers with information should they you know, want to make the places that they live in and influence better in terms of outdoor access. Seattle, Bellevue, and Vancouver, Washington all made the top 50 list. Tacoma did not. REI says more than two out of three people living in the largest 200 cities in the U.S. still lack sufficient access to the outdoors. Bellamy Palethorpe, KNKX News. Come here, Susie. You remember me? Your daddy's friend, Henry? I... I... No, don't! Now we have the story of what happened to a business after it was forced to change its leadership. John Besh was arguably the best-known chef in New Orleans, and he was also the owner of a New Orleans restaurant group. 
Then he was accused of sexual harassment. He's hardly the only top executive to go during the Me Too movement. Many entertainment and finance and media companies, including NPR, have dismissed executives. NPR's Yuki Noguchi followed up on what happened at those New Orleans restaurants. A year ago, the New Orleans Times-Picayune published a shattering expose on celebrity chef John Besh. It detailed 25 allegations that depicted a harrowing workplace in which Besh belittled and fondled workers or tried to coerce them to have sex. Dominique Ranieri, a former server and one of Besh's accusers, says she was terminated after her allegations appeared in the story. She says such behavior permeated Besh's restaurants. Groping, sexual advances, verbally, physically, constant commentary. The commentary was, oh, God. That story became a watershed moment for the restaurant industry. Two weeks prior, similar allegations against Hollywood executive Harvey Weinstein had emerged, kickstarting the Me Too movement. That spotlight then turned on Besh, a local hero who helped champion Creole cuisine on the national stage. Hello, I'm Chef John Besh, and welcome to New Orleans. Cleaning up the mess fell to Shannon White. She was 32 and chief of operations when she replaced Besh as CEO. We first met at a bustling lunch spot serving southern biscuits and shrimp and grits, one of 11 remaining restaurants in the group White is trying to revamp. Finding out that people didn't feel safe coming forward, it's like a kick in the stomach. And we have to do something, like, right now. Overnight, Besh's national fame turned into a liability. It left a scar on the restaurant group and its 1,200 employees at the time. Staff defected. Seven restaurants eventually closed or spun off. The company rebranded itself to BRG to erase his name. It was hard. You know, you have guest calling and being hateful on the phone and seeing all the stuff in the media. Free-flowing alcohol and late-night work make restaurants a notorious hotbed for sexual harassment, especially so near the glow of Bourbon Street. White says she felt both public and internal pressure to change her company's culture. And you have employees and you have guests and you have orders, but you can't push pause and say, all right, we're going to redo this, you know, at all. What can we do? to start to make change while the wheels are already in motion. She had to keep the restaurants running and at the same time dramatically change the culture. The company allowed me in to see how they tried to do that. Over several months, they let me sit in on meetings and talk to employees. I watched as they grappled with how to build a new culture. It is eye-opening. You know, people think it's all about sexual harassment. I'm like, it's so much bigger than that. She says it's tied up with trust, communication, power dynamics, and respect. But initially, White needed to ferret out and fire the bad apples. The company set up an anonymous tip line that led to investigations. Eventually, four managers and a dozen other workers were dismissed. Many others left over time. A lot of people aren't going to make it through this. And as, like, a culture starts to shift, you see very clearly it brings to light the people that aren't willing to shift with it. One early change included ending employee alcohol discounts, which White says helped fuel misbehavior. But many new rules couldn't be as cut and dry. White recalls how, in the initial weeks of the scandal, she proposed banning dating among workers. Some workers pushed back. The company hired Don Hazen as its first human resources director. She also pushed back. It's not realistic. It's not realistic. And we're setting ourselves up for failure. Instead, they now require workers to disclose relationships to avoid potential conflicts of interest. 
As in that case, White and Hazen say soliciting input helps set realistic rules and get buy-in from workers. And sometimes policies evolved over time. Take its policy on touching. In August, I watched the back and forth as White and Hazen met to discuss updates to the employee handbook with restaurant managers. White poses the question: Should the language bar customers from touching staff? That prompts the managers to debate. We have regulars that come in that are just going to—they're going to hug yeah, you,、absolutely. you know—and and they're they're like family. They're like family at the restaurant. But but in another context, he says hugs are unwelcome. It's just that has to be that gut feeling. I mean, yeah, you have to be able to read it. Two months after that meeting in late October, Hazen leads employee orientation for 50 new bartenders, cooks, and servers. The company is preparing to open its first new restaurant since the scandal. Okay, is everybody seated and ready? Here, touching comes up again with greater nuance. I know in the restaurants they're very close quarters. Hazen suggests warning coworkers before squeezing by, say, coming behind or something like that, to give them a chance to get out of the way. And if it's a customer being inappropriate, tell your manager. She tells them. Rita Bernhardt says such open discussion makes a difference. Bernhardt is chef de cuisine at Domenica, one of the group's Italian restaurants. In the past, she says personnel decisions were left to a manager's discretion, but now Bernhardt is required to report any problems immediately. She says White and Hazen are very responsive. We're going to solve this right now. We're going to fix this. Let's follow through. I think that's kind of like the biggest shift that I've seen. It's still too early to say what the effect of all these changes might mean, but some say the problems haven't gone away. Brett Anderson is the reporter who broke the Times-Picayune story. In the years since that story came out, you know, I've spent a lot of time listening to restaurant workers, mostly women, tell me about the problems they've faced with harassment, and you know, and those phone calls aren't stopping really. Including, he says, some workers who say little has changed within the Besh restaurants. Through a representative, Besh declined an interview for this story. Anderson says his continued ownership remains controversial. I know that it matters to some employees, and I know it matters to some customers that he is still an owner of the company. Even White admits that, in subtle ways, Besh's ownership still weighs on the company. The goal in the past was always to give ownership to the chefs over time. I'd like to see that speed up. Now she says she wants to set a vision without Besh around. Yuki Naguchi, NPR News, New Orleans. I, I don't want to cause any problems, Lieutenant. I just want a new partner. Oh, I understand. Your partner's a racist prick, but you don't want to stir up any bad feelings with him. Well, he's been on the force for a long time. Seventeen、uh, years. And I do have to work here, sir. So, you don't mind that there's a racist prick on the force? You just don't want him to ride in your car. If you need me to go on record about this, sir, I will. That'd be great. Write a full report. Because I'm anxious to understand how an obvious bigot could have gone undetected in this department for 17 years, 11 of which he was under my personal supervision, which doesn't speak very highly of my managerial skills. But that's not your concern. I can't wait to read it. Metro Council held their first meeting today to talk about how to set up a community oversight board. On election night, Davidson County voted to form a police oversight committee to look into deadly police shootings and other controversies. Tonight, Lindsay Nance talks to a Metro officer who says she's caught a lot of heat for standing up in favor of this board. Lindsay. 
Monica Blake says she was verbally attacked and called a traitor by the very people she works with every day. For a long time, I lived in fear. I was afraid of, um, I was terrified for a long time. Terrified to speak out, to voice her opinion, to stand up to her fellow police officers. I had executed every single channel within the police department that I was supposed to make complaints to. Yet when I made those complaints, nothing happened. So um, I decided that if something were to happen, I was going to have to bring those issues to the public. One, as a means to protect me, and two, to let the citizens of Nashville know this is what's going on right in your city. Metro Police tells me they are unaware of any complaints by Blake. They are aware of her social media posts, the latest one just days ago causing the biggest stir. Blake says this post is the one that triggered a firestorm of comments. She believes they're all directed at her. Comments like this one. Never thought I would see the day that a Metro officer would turn against her fellow officers. Wonder whose back she is watching, or better yet, who's watching hers. What goes around comes around. I was devastated, absolutely devastated, because I couldn't understand why so many officers didn't see inclusiveness as a good thing. Now, Blake filed a lawsuit against Metro Police saying she's faced racial discrimination for a long time and she wants compensation. She also wants Metro to amend their social media policy so she and others can speak freely. The Metro Department of Law will now be defending this lawsuit. Tom, Tracy. Lindsay Nance, thank you. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, November 23rd, 2018. So I have been told. This is our weekly forum on neutralizing workplace racism, still adjusting to it being on Fridays. Probably take me a few more months. The number to dial 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Our listeners in the States, I hope everyone made it through uh, Nigger Friday safely. If you participated, have all of your toes, offspring accounted for. If you all were out in the hustle and bustle of the day. I thought that was so Seattle, the opening report about uh, REI, which is a Seattle-based uh, company. They sell all kinds of camping gear and such. Uh, but their opt-out campaign of not being open today and not even processing sales online, I thought that was such a, a Seattle white way of protesting uh, Nigger Friday. Uh, if you are engaging in any of the nonsense associated with what is commonly called Black Friday, feel free. You can pitch in Gus's Amazon. It's under Gus T. Renegade. It is linked on my blog, racism-notes.blogspot.com. If you are doing what they call Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Coon Wednesday, any of it, uh, you can nab an item from Gus T's wish list in all of the mayhem if you are participating. That said, uh, the plantation continues. Uh, I think the, uh, technically the 
holiday is over, at least for, you know, right now, I guess they have another one next month. But uh, so it's just normal day on the plantation, which it always is. Uh, and I'm sure some folks uh, had to be on the formal plantation today. Uh, and if not, I'm sure it's calling soon. So workplace racism Per usual, this is not a spectator broadcast. If you did participate in the nonsense and, you know, had several rounds of pie, chitlins, whatever it is, uh, and are feeling satisfied, satiated food wise, uh, that does not mean, oh, I'm going to put my feet up and just listen. Not at all. This is not for spectating. This is for our participating. And I'm pretty sure if we have victims of racism, you're probably having some issues in the workplace. Uh, and or if you're not, you should certainly be participating uh, to tell us how you got into this glorious position where if you need time off vacation days, they don't call you. They weren't ringing you yesterday. Hey, put that turkey leg down. We need you to come in and work a shift. They don't do that to you. No way. You had your vacation in months ago. You are at home chilling and will not be bothered until, you know, next week or whenever you're scheduled to be back in. But if you have got to that glorious position, then you absolutely, it is your counter-racist duty to dial in and share some tips because we need that sort of help. There are a lot of victims who are suffering and uh, do not imagine that they will ever uh, be in that position on the job. I know that I have never been. Number again, 641-715-3640, decode 564-943-POUND. Press star six one if you would like to participate. If you're not able to dial in for the live broadcast, you can drop an email until justice at gmail.com. Until justice at gmail.com. And we can read your commentary. Uh, or if you have a question, uh, we can read it on the air. A uh, few things before I get to the callers, the segment where they were talking about the changes that were happening uh, at the food business in New Orleans. Uh, I thought it was important. Uh, how does how, the, the, the victim, he says, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. How can you mention New Orleans, Hurricane Katrina and the levy failure how can you mention new orleans and not mention racism white supremacy sobriety would be best they said the alcohol free-flowing alcohol and late nights on bourbon street made the sexual harassment problems exacerbated made worse the sexual harassment problems no surprise sobriety would be best uh if folks have specific issues with the so-called holidays, that would be uh, grand to hear. I know we try to bring that up around this time every year. The unique problems that may come up with the holidays, if they have any sort of <clears throat> gift exchanges. I know they have that sometimes. Uh, it might be the season for hugging. Uh, I know sometimes whites uh, want to pretend that we're a family, right? We're on the job, so we're all in this together, so they might want to try and do some extra fondling uh, on the job this time of year. That's something to be mindful of as well, but if folks are having any holiday-related uh, issues, 
that would be grand to hear. I know sometimes they even have those parties uh, that are required. We talked about that before, too. This is the time of year. Sometimes you're required to attend. Uh, sometimes you're not. We've talked about that before as well uh, in terms of, you know, do you even have to uh, go with the shindigs? If you do have to go, be codified. Uh, and if it's not required, you don't think it's going to damage you in the long run for promotions and such, then try to avoid. Certainly, sobriety would be best if you have to attend even for a limited amount of time. Next. Uh, do they mentioned in that same report about New Orleans, they mentioned about trying to institute a policy about uh, not dating coworkers, which I thought was very interesting. That's uh, frequently a metaphor that I will use when talking about the incorrectness of sexual intercourse between whites and non-whites, because in uh, a number of work environments, that is an explicit policy that they'll have, that there's not to be any sort of sexual intercourse, uh, because, you know, if it's a manager and someone that they're supervising type thing, uh, that they, you know, have undue influence over this person, uh, so they try and discourage that sort of thing. Uh, if we have listeners, if that's a part of your workplace policy, I would be very interested uh, to hear details uh, about that. If you have the like explicit part of the policy, like in what it says, I would definitely be grateful uh, to hear that if that applies to uh, any of our listening audience. If you don't have it explicitly, if you just want to kind of paraphrase or give us your understanding, that would be fine, too. But uh, if if anyone uh, is currently or has worked in a job situation where that's uh, an explicitly stated, you know, a part of, you know, what is required of you, no hanky panky, as they say, with other coworkers, I would definitely appreciate hearing uh, the details about that. And I thought it was interesting in that segment that I guess they were trying to institute that policy and they got pushed back from the workers. And so it seemed like that they didn't, you know, go ahead and follow through with that uh, after some of the, or I guess enough workers balked uh, at them attempting to put this policy in. Very interesting. Uh, I would generally discourage sexual intercourse on the job. I think, I guess if folks have an opinion on this, uh, that would be, I'm a little surprised. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I would generally say, even if it's non-white people, I would generally discourage sexual intercourse on the job. I think that can cause a lot of confusion. Uh, we talk so much uh, workplace racism, emphasizing being logical, managing your emotions. I put that in every single description because I think that's so key uh, in the workplace, not allowing your emotions uh, to dictate your conduct, your speech, what you're doing, how you are responding and planning what you're going to do in the workplace. It cannot be driven by your uh, emotions. You want to use logic, do some thinking, strategize, long-term problem solving. And uh, with the emotion, I think just invariably, if you are what they call dating, quote unquote, romantically involved with someone, that's going to bring a lot of emotion in. That's what I've generally seen. That's been my personal experience. And I just think that that in the workplace, uh, and I think we've even had some listeners where uh, they talked about that causing problems, even if it's, you know, a non-white person and another non-white person, uh, I would generally discourage uh, that sort of thing. And whites in particular, uh, even if it's a non-white person, another non-white person, uh, and they're in, you know, whatever type of arrangement they have, 
uh, and whites find out about this, I'm very certain uh, that they would look to cause a lot of problems both within the relationship and uh, within the careers of both individuals. Uh, if, if people have thoughts on that, uh, feel free, but that would be my general thought process about it. That word discretion uh, came up in the report as well. I thought that was key. Uh, one other comment I'm getting about the uh, audio clips, the segment about the uh, black enforcement, uh, Officer Blake, black female. There's video of that if you need to see her. Uh, but I, I just, we've had a number of different segments and even programs. Uh, the Fence, uh, written by Dick Lair, white man suspected racist uh, up in the Boston area. Uh, he wrote the book about, it was a black officer uh, in Boston. Uh, they were out chasing a suspect. <clears throat> uh, I believe it was a white man that they were chasing, in fact, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, they were chasing a suspect. He eluded them. The black officer, he's chasing. He gets to a fence. And his co-workers, uh, they beat him bloody, leave him unconscious at the fence. And they say that they thought it was the suspect. Now, maybe they were chasing a non-white suspect. Maybe it was a white suspect. I think it was a white suspect, but it's been, uh, Mr. Lair was on the program in 2009. So it's been almost 10 years. Um, anywho, they beat him almost unconscious. He has to go to the hospital and all of this. All he wants is an investigation. He is not coming out saying that these are race soldiers. He is not demanding that Al Sharpton come and hold a march at the precinct. All he wants is an investigation to find out what happened. <laughs> you know, why did this happen to me? Let's make sure this that that's all that he wants. They had him under total terrorism. Like, who is this nigger? He's going to try to get us in trouble. It's not our fault that we thought this cop nigger was just a regular no-count nigger and blah, blah, blah. Long, long list of these type of incidents uh, of black enforcement officers who said, sometimes they said explicitly, I joined the police department to fight against racism. I saw how black citizens were mistreated and I wanted to work against that or something along those, or just, you know, the standard line. I just wanted to be a citizen Time, chance to be a job. Hey, I'll come be a, I'll come protect and serve, as they say. And then they get end up being subjected to all this terrorism. We've even had black officers, uh, former black police officers, on the program, and that segment reminded me that is one of the few work environments where it's not just my suspected racist coworkers might retaliate by spitting in my food. Or, you know, praying some pranks on me. They actually have guns and could kill me. And or we are in situations that could be fatal where they, because they are armed, might be required to protect my life. You know, they might be required to give me CPR like these folks are saying, you know, hey, maybe we don't give this nigra CPR. Maybe we don't have her back if we go into a dark alley and are chasing someone who is armed and one of those black identity extremists who doesn't like us white cops. Maybe we don't have her. That That's one of the few work environments that I can think of. That is, I remember a guest we had on the program talked about that being the same way, just speaking out for justice as a enforcement official, doing the right thing on the job and stepping into the room and feeling like, wow, they got their gun. I need to unholster to be prepared. Like anything could go down. Like, what a work environment. Anywho, last thing uh, I'll say before I get to 
uh, the callers policy and procedure. I did mention if anybody, if you have any folks who work in an environment where you cannot do dating, that is definitely a time where I would be very, very appreciative of hearing explicit policy and procedure. Uh, but last thing, I always think reviewing reflection can be a very powerful tool. That's why they talk about things like journaling can be very powerful because it allows you an opportunity to kind of uh, assess things that have happened. Uh, you can critique your own performance, things you did incorrect, things you did well, uh, how you would assess the situation if it came up again can be great opportunities to learn. Still learning. We all are. I think specifically with the workplace, reflection, uh, counter-racist reflection, not just, you know, thinking back, oh man, I got fired. It was so humiliating. But I mean, really like specific, explicit critique, detailed, like investigation of as much or as many of the incidents around your particular work experience, mainly all of your work experiences, job by job for as long as you stayed there, I think it can reveal a lot, especially if you're looking at periods when you did not have an accurate understanding uh, of racism. And I think that's one we could all participate in. I think every single person who is listening live should be able to participate to give at least one incident. If I was going to ask, not asking for what you are grateful for, that's such a tacky thing in the system, not to get off topic, but so tacky, uh, but asking reflecting on our work experience do a little counter racist work reflection an incident an, i'm calling these errors that's what i'm calling these these are errors these are times wow if i had known a little bit more about counter racism and or if i had just implemented counter racist logic this wouldn't have happened or this would have been radically different this would have been you know 3 or 10 problems i could have avoided I can give you, oh man, how much time do we have? I would need many, many hours to go through uh, to give you some of these. Hopefully, I will not be adding to this list, or if I do, it will be a much shorter list uh, moving forward. Uh, I believe the uh, white woman that did my yoga, prenatal yoga teacher training uh, might be inquiring if I would like to work doing prenatal uh, yoga training. Uh, so I might be even getting more opportunities to add to the list uh, because I actually do enjoy uh, teaching prenatal yoga and specifically teaching to non-white moms. We'll have to update as I get more details, but then I would have more to share on workplace racism. Uh, but errors, that's what I'm calling these. Maybe a better term, errors. Uh, so some of the errors, times where things would have been better for me personally, if I had uh, known more about racism, white supremacy, some of them are simple. Not having a candy dish. One of the jobs that I had, I had a, a <clears throat> candy dish in my office and it was communal. I didn't care if people came to get candy, even if they came, if I wasn't uh, present and they wanted a piece of candy, I didn't care. Uh, not to get off into that because I feel like I've talked about this before, but uh, it ended up being stolen and simply avoided. And that's, I think that's the logic that I generally give you. We're in a system of racism, white supremacy. The mistreatment abounds. You want to try to minimize opportunities for that, minimizing things that can be taken that don't belong to you, and minimizing reasons for people to come and malinger 
uh, in your area talking to you unnecessarily. Uh, that's another big aspect, just wasting time. And, you know, a lot of we've we've had specific incidents of that before. I remember we had a black female. She had a communal candy dish on her desk and it just became an opportunity uh, for racist white men to come and make sexual comments under the guise of requesting chocolate. Welsing moment. Uh, other errors. I'm still talking about me. No drinking. I uh, remember uh, I'm not even a big alcohol fan. And I remember drinking. We used to we used to have staff meetings. They would go to the bar uh, for staff meetings. And I remember drinking with white people. There was never a problem. Like it was never one of those, you know, got so drunk and they had pictures of me on the table uh, vomiting or something like that. However, it did set up the expectation that I would participate in drinking with them. And when I didn't want to do that anymore, it became a problem. That's what I mean about uh, sometimes it might not even be acute, but it's just about setting up correct expectations. We talk about that a lot, particularly once you start a job, being able to set correct expectations about how you're treated, making sure they say your uh, name correctly every time, no nicknames on the job. That's another one I can add to my list I hadn't even thought of, uh, but just correct expectations. And I think that drinking one is big. I plan to be sober as long as I am employed here and around you all. I will be sober and thinking to the best of my ability because I know <clears throat> you all are not going to be looking out for my best interest. I got my back. The hate you give. Um, I'm still on my list here. Talking to that white girl. Man, I've talked about this on the program uh, before. Uh, one job that I had, there was a white girl, my quote unquote friend. Her office was in the front of the building, so it made it about eight billion times worse because to talk to her, I had to be out like literally in the front of the building, like almost directly across from like the director's office and all of the main most powerful uh, whites who worked there. And it, it just became such a, a massive, oh my God, just cowbell. It became such a massive uh, issue uh, that because I knew her brother, uh, so I think I went to school with her brother and talked about this on the program before, not to get off on that, but man, not being friendly. You are not there to uh, hang out and kick it. This is not pal time. And in particular, uh, I would say with any black male, you would, I would not be doing any palling around or anything that even looks like, oh, wait a minute, maybe they're a thing or is he flirting? Was that a, nothing uh, with anybody on the job? I'm here about business. And that is that. No flirting, no kicking it, no nothing. Uh, because that will get, man, They, I mean, the rumors and the racism, white supremacy and the accusation, Dr. Tommy Curry, the man not, those accusations abound anyway. You don't have to do anything for those to percolate. So you do not want to even give the impression that you are hanging out, kicking it, friendly, doing anything other than business. Uh, should I have one? Oh, not asking questions. That's a great one to end on. Not asking questions. That is one of the most major errors. I was not someone uh, to ask questions, uh, to specifically think, oh, I have, or even going into the meeting, I already have five questions uh, that I want answered right now. I've looked at the policy and I want this clarified, that clarified. What does this word mean? Like, 
questions, 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 like not coming in to make statements. This is not the time to show uh, what I know. Certainly, if you have ideas, if you're in a field where you have to present uh, ideas and things of that nature, great. But asking questions is so important. And yes, we are in a system of racism, white supremacy, but I would even say that there are times where asking questions on the job works in your favor. It makes you look as though you are someone who is using your brain, trying to get a better understanding of how things work on the job, requesting information so that you can be more informed as you do your job. That can sometimes be a good thing on the job. Sometimes it's just a system of racism, white supremacy, and you are just a uppity question asking Negro. Still, even with that, ask questions. And that is a major error on my part. That's something that I just didn't do when I did not have an understanding of racism, white supremacy, what it meant to be white. I did not ask questions on the job. That is an imperative. If you don't remember anything else uh, from the neutralizing workplace racism programs, you have got to ask questions on the job. If you are not asking questions uh, on the job, you are making errors uh, and it's probably going to lead to problems. You're probably going to find yourself at some point saying, man, there's information that I don't have or just having problems. Ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. You might even want to uh, be known for asking questions politely, often, and make sure that you get your question answered. We talked about that even with email. Ask questions. Number again, 641-715-3640, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Errors. Uh, again, that's one I think we can all participate. So that is the request, not what you are grateful for, but at least one error that you've made on the job. When I say error, uh, this is a situation time maybe when I didn't have an understanding of racism, white supremacy, or it could be, oh, I did know about racism, white supremacy, but for whatever reason, I just was not following through on my code this day. And boop, this is what happened. Lesson learned. Follow or I wish I had been aware of counter racist logic at the time and I would not have had this situation. Uh, let's see. Phone uh, Hitting the phone lines, uh, if you dialed in, star six one, if you have commentary to share. Uh, hitting the phone lines, uh, if you have a hand up, line should be open. Uh, Stacy in the UK. Uh, let's see. Get our timestamp. One forty a.m. Saturday morning, live in London. Yes, ma'am. Did not have think this will be our one person who is not full of turkey and giblets. Stacy joining us live. No, we don't do Thanksgiving, but I, I believe it was, as you called it, Nigger Friday today um <clears throat> i did actually purchase something from your amazon wish list but i wasn't actually paying attention to the fact that it was um 
so called Black Friday. Um, and I'd forgotten all about it actually, which I guess I'm quite pleased about. Um, I will come back with some updates later. But um, on your specific question around mistakes, um, and this is quite difficult for me to say, to be honest with you, because I've been thinking about these two things for a long time. Um, and specifically, if I should, if I could rather talk about them on the programme, and I guess because there is some level of embarrassment um, involved in this and quite, quite difficult. Um, and it, it does relate to the role that I'm in now and all the things that have um, transpired over the last three, four years of intense bullying, uh, racist bullying and victimisation. And I guess the first one is the regret that I didn't leave this job um, because it has taken its toll on me. Um, and, you know, uh, no job is worth the abuse. And I think in part because I've probably experienced some form of harassment in every single job that I've ever had. And you just deal with things and, you know, things then settle down or people, other people leave or, you know, sometimes things shift in an organisation. And so things can get to a level where no job is ever perfect, but definitely bearable. Um, but I guess the way in which the bullying and harassment was done was in in many ways so personal and actually the pack mentality the Voltron effect and the systematic way in which this has been done I think I just has never experienced anything like that and I think I should have left the organization sooner because as I said it's just not worth it um and then the, it's, uh, the other thing is related to this. I think I've mentioned in the past that my daughter is very, is very good at getting mentors. And I guess a number of her mentors are actually suspected racists. But um, those relationships are very beneficial for her. So she's, she's very codified anyway in the way that she operates. And... She's young, so I, I do think, not that racists aren't racist to young people, but um, I do think that the way in which young people, meant, people were willing to mentor, um, and I know the firefighter has uh, certainly mentioned, not using that word, but for the benefit of this conversation, um, willing to mentor um, young people the, the mindset is slightly different to if, you know, they're dealing with other um, non-white people. So they can, as, as has been said many times, they can be nice sometimes and then still terrorise other non-white people. So those relationships, particularly the level of these individuals, have been extremely beneficial for her. Um, 
and so I, in my at the height of um, the bullying, I had thought, okay, let me see if I can get a mentor in the workplace where I am, and um, specifically somebody who had worked in the organisation that I've worked in, work, worked in for a long time, um, and she. For whatever reason, I didn't think, because of the nature of her job and mine, I was very naive and I didn't expect her to know my head of team. And so, even, yeah, so basically it was a poor choice because we were based on the same floor and there was a time where my head of team and I were by the lift and this um, suspected racist mentor um, was also by the lift. And I saw them just look at each other and it was just a quick, it was just a quick, um, you know, sort of they caught each other's eye, didn't say anything. And I realised, oh my goodness, those two people know each other and they've probably been discussing me. Um, and so I never ever had another meeting with that mentor ever again um and it was very naive but i think because let going back to what i'd said already the effect of all of the bullying made me kind of be i don't know i didn't think things through in a way which probably i wouldn't have made that mistake before even, you know, even within the workplace, even if I had I'd approached this woman to be a mentor for me, I probably would have been very codified in how I used that relationship and so basically not confiding in her about um, things that are to do with bullying and harassment. I would have used it very, very, um, well, you know, as, as we've said, to try and... Um, progress and get them to reveal things that are going to be beneficial to help progress in the organization and not to discuss other race soldiers but i'll mute my line i guess much obliged for sharing i know the i guess shame factor that is major i know a lot of people black people victims of racism do not want to talk about uh, these issues or how we get abused uh, in the job or otherwise just because it's not it's not fun. It can be embarrassing uh, to talk about, but uh, number one, none of us victims uh, should feel uh, embarrassed about it. Uh, it's white people doing what they do, uh, generally just terrorizing us uh, in the job. And I think, too, it's where well, I'll speak for myself. For me, it tends to be a lot less embarrassing once you realize like, oh, this sort of thing is happening like all over the world. Like this, as I just, as I said previously, this is just what white people do. It's not individually about anything that you did wrong or, you know, you could have handled it brilliantly. White people practice racism, whites being white, uh, codified software developer, whites being white. So uh, but it's it's human. It's understandable. 
feeling that way is certainly not pleasant. It is not a feel good moment, as they say, uh, thinking about how we have been uh, terrorized uh, on the job and elsewhere. But I, I did think and that's what I said. I think it can be very informative. I did think it was super important uh, what you shared, Stacy, about how you you said you did not think it through uh, critically, clearly, as well as you would have if it hadn't been for the bullying. And I think that happens to a lot of us. Uh, that's the impact of being terrorized, where you're being abused on a regular basis and people just picking after you and picking after you and picking after you. And that stress, it's debilitating. Uh, you're not able uh, to think. Sometimes they're interrupting you while you're trying to think. But I, it's in my view, it's by design. That is what it is designed to do when they come and they do these things. All the accumulation of incidents that people talk about being are people coming up and trying to uh, frighten them uh, on the job and moving your desk. All of these disruptions. That's what it's designed to do. So you, you cannot perform at your best. You can't think at your best. You can't respond at your best, keeping us off balance. That's what they do uh, in the system. And I thought it was equally I, this could have I said my list. I could have taken up the whole three hours easily by myself, uh, staying in positions that are really unhealthy and really toxic. Not that there's going to be like a, a perfect work environment. None of us. Uh, it's not possible in a system of white supremacy, but. Some environments are worse than others. Uh, that's been my conclusion. Uh, some environments, uh, at least you can rely on your check being correct 99% of the time, whereas other environments, woo, that alone, you know, some environments, man, might have to fight off being sexually harassed two out of five days this week. There are other environments where, you know, at least you don't have to deal with all of that. That's what I mean. Racism, white supremacy will be there, but some of these environments are way worse or just period. Some of these environments are not for us. This is not a place that we need to stay. And I think because of what was already stated, not thinking clearly, sometimes another impact of that can be we end up staying in environments way too long. Uh, we end up being someplace that was supposed to be temporary. This wasn't a career move to begin with. And instead of being there for a short period of time, a brief period of time, and then moving along, five years have passed and, you know, or three years have passed. And it's, you know, whoa, what is, what is going on? Dr. Welsing moment. Again, question, what is going on? What am I doing? What am I doing with my time and energy? That is a major question we should be asking ourselves all the time. What am I doing with my time and energy? Much obliged, uh, Stacy. Double on Chandra on that one. Much obliged, wish list as well. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up, if you have commentary uh, to share. And again, this is definitely not the spectator broadcast. Put down that sweet potato pie. Everybody here should have at least uh one error uh, i am certain we do not have a bunch of 15 year olds and 14 year olds who do not have any work history uh so others who dialed in with a hand up proceed can i be heard draftomania yes ma'am hi um hi gus and on guest um um thank you stacy for sharing um I can definitely identify with the um, 
well, I guess most of us can identify with being harassed. I am currently on in a position, um, and, and it's temporary. And um, unfortunately, it's with um, a bunch of uh, confused victims, and it has been um, it's been really horrendous. Uh, the behaviors um, that that has been going on on this um, on this position. I have been um, confronted by uh, a victim um, who is also a temp like I am and basically have been um, uh, confronted. He was drunk and was accusing me of not doing my job. And um, I basically had to deal with some harassment. This was, was it Wednesday. He came in Wednesday to work. Um, because the first time when he did the uh, actual like harassment while he was intoxicated coming to the job and trying to make accusations and um, gaslighting and saying we wasn't doing our jobs correctly and things like that, which actually is not his place to do because he's a, a temp like I am. Um, but for some reason, um, he has this um, complex where he thinks he's the boss or somebody's like uh, putting him up to doing whatever he's doing. Uh, he um, came in this uh, Wednesday, and he, as soon as he came through the door, he started barking out, um, uh, basically barking out orders, uh, saying, uh, trying to make constantly make accusations that I'm not doing my job correctly, um, gaslighting me when I'm, you know, trying to explain, trying to explain. I guess. This is one of the um, things that I see um, that was is wrong. Uh, trying to make uh, explain something to individuals uh, that are uh, basically trying to bait you into an argument and. Um, having the knowledge that I have now, knowing that um, some individuals are not really trying to understand what you're trying to say. Everything that you're going to say to them, they're just going to use that as ammo to try to make an argument. Um, so I was basically just trying to explain to him what, you know, what it is that we did. And he was like, no, y'all didn't do this. And, you know, um, just basically just trying to start an argument. And there was some words said, you know, and I basically what I, you know, I said some things back to him, but um, wasn't as, well, no, I'm not going to say I wasn't. I basically had to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I had to basically advocate for myself because it was, it's starting to get to a point where this individual, um, is, 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 is really, you know, and it's a guy, he's really, um, off the chain or, you know, really, you know, really off, off the handle or whatever. I don't even know what word to use. Um, not being professional without using a metaphor. That's the word I'm looking for. Not being very professional, acting very, um, mm, very unprofessional um, in a job setting, um, loud, you know, working off the orders. And I had to um, let him know. Um, he, he was doing some gaslighting, trying to make it make us appear as if we were um, we're not doing our job to other coworkers, just bad mouthing us. Everything we do, there's something wrong with everything we do. Um, 
So what I ended up doing is I went to think um, there was a, a supervisor there that um, I ended up telling him about it because I when he initially did the, um, did this um, the first time um, I did go to a supervisor, but this place is like so toxic that. All of the victims there and the supervisor, I even went to the temporary, temporary agency um, to discuss the other manager about um, how this manager discusses um, the other workers. All they do is like constantly gossip, talk about each other. It's the anti-blackness that, you know, the gossiping um just bad mouthing each other. Um, this one coming to you talking about how what this person is not doing, and it and it seems like it's somewhat like a game. Like you know, he they're coming to you, telling you something just to see if you, um, trying to bait you to see if you're going to say something so they can get some stuff started. It's just constant, just drama, drama, drama. And um, I handled it pretty well because I did go to a supervisor and he did come back a couple more times and tried to start an argument again. But what I did, I didn't respond to him. I just kind of walked away. But like Stacy said, when you're constantly, when somebody is constantly um, harassing you and they're constantly coming at you and it's starting to become a habit, um, it is hard um, but it's hard for you not to, you know, react or um, respond. But I can say that I didn't, I haven't responded or reacted in a way that I usually would react. But I did have to let him know, unfortunately, um, in a way that I really would not have um, done with any other person. But with this in, in particular individual, I had to just tell him, you know, straight out um, in the manner in which he understood, you know, because he was just acting very, um, I, I don't know, like I, I'm trying not to, you know, say something that's not correct, but, um, very niggardly, you know, on, in the position acting very street act, acting. I mean, just the stuff that goes on in there, it's just like, wow. And it's, it's, it's sad when, it's us, you know, um, doing it to each other, but it's to be expected. I understand that, but it doesn't make it any easier. But I still understand that, you know, they these people are victims, but I is is I'm Gus is difficult. It's it's very difficult when you're being attacked on a constant basis by your own and and I've had situations where it's been my own, it's been them and I still like to focus on where the root cause of the problem comes from, which is white supremacy. I understand that and I, I do understand that when it's being done by um on the white supremacy to me in my opinion it's worse, hands down. I'm not going to say that when um, we're doing it to each other, it's worse. No, I'm not going to say that. I say because when, when I've experienced it from both ends of the spectrum, and I do say that it's worse because they, most of the time, they know what they're doing. But the victims, some, you know, the victims can be very challenging also. So um, I'm just trying to you know, continue to just um, keep my cool and deal with things in a professional manner and um, just learn the best that I can and keep my head up and keep doing what I have to do till I can get something better or, you know, I don't know, Gus. I'm just trying to make it. That's all I have to share. Understood. Uh, that is 
basically with the the last sentence that you shared that's generally the way that racists have designed the system to be for us just trying to make it uh, and to make that as difficult and tedious as possible uh, and to terrorize you the whole way while you are just trying to make it that is by racist design um, it, this is not the compensatory call-in however I did want to make sure that I took this moment uh, we are all still learning myself included uh, to this is why I say that sometimes metaphors are not the best because when you were describing the behavior of your coworker and it was off the chain off the handle and then unprofessional that's way more specific the third time way more specific because I wasn't really sure the first two what you know the nature of the problem was but unprofessional okay delinquent okay much better now I have an idea of what we are talking about even you know street hood those are metaphors still but better better grass that's what I mean sometimes the metaphors we don't really get as much detail uh, in terms of really being it we don't uh, convey as much understanding so that the other person really you know knows what it is that we are trying to say uh, and you recognize that I think that's why you took some more time which is always brilliant that is the mark of genius let me stop and make sure that I have selected. yeah but that's because of you guys <laughs> we are all still guys. learning we are all still learning but <laughs> words are very important be mindful of the metaphors. Often they are not the best. Sometimes it would be best to hang those up and select a better word that gives more description to what it is we're trying to say. That being said, uh, we have talked about that, man, a bunch with delinquent uh, victims on jobs uh, and everything that you said. It can, oh, possessive adjective. Words are important. I talk about that a lot, talking about it's not my desk. It's not my office. It's not even my job. These are not my own people. Uh, I've said that particularly in the workplace. I think even that mentality going in that, oh, it's black people, my brothers, black brother, black sister. <laughs> yes, with that right there is going to set you on the path for destruction. It's, it could be a matter of seconds, could be a matter of days. You know, I would tend to lean towards the former, but uh, it's just got to be, hey, this is the system of racism, white supremacy. This is not an environment for us being cordial. That's not what we've been subjected to. We've had centuries mm -hmm. of anti-blackness. That's all we've been subjected to. That's all we know in some respects is conflict. And, you know, putting down mm. another black person and ridiculing another black person and talking bad about another black. That's all this on television. And we rejoice in that and, you know, <laughs> make contests about mm -hmm. that. So that's just, you know, being honest about what white people have done to us. You're correct. That's, you know, white people are to blame, but that doesn't do anything about I got to be with these victims for the next eight hours as they, you know, ridicule and abuse me like you know, and that's got to go on for 40 hours a week or 30 hours a week until, you know, like, man, this is this is not my own. That was the whole point. This is not my own. These mm -hmm. are victims. And in that environment, I would probably have very little to say like, whoo, that that's what I did. Well, I lived 
in Atlanta. I'm not even talking uh, from just, you know, Gus being up in Seattle around all the good white folks and talking crazy. I did live in Atlanta before I got here and I worked in an all black environment. I had very little to say and I did not know codification at the time. That was just with trial and error, as they say, and just stumble and fumble. And after about I think it took about a good eight months of anti-blackness and ridicule before I decided the best course of action minimize contact i have as little to say as possible i'm going to keep my head down even if they're being nasty and rude frequently i have nothing to say and that did wonders to minimize conflict and i even in fact i even moved a whole lot of dialogue to non-verbal communication that also did a lot to decrease conflict non-verbal communicate so that would be the primary objective as long as i was there to minimize conflict so that you know I can just get through these eight hours with as little strain as possible and hopefully don't have to get bogged down and stay in this environment too long. Thank you, Beth. Much obliged. Self-care, self-care, self-care. Other folks who dialed in again, uh, if folks can reflect on their work history, times you have made an error, this is definitely something that I would not have done if I had an understanding of counter-racist logic or I did understand it, but I just was not executing for whatever reason that day. If I had been using counter-racist logic, I would have avoided this problem. Folks have one incident to share from their work history. That would be grand. Uh, others who dialed in with a hand up, uh, line should be open. Proceed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. On that point or the question about um, what errors that were made in the past uh, in the workplace, I would say two of them. I could think of two. One is... um, just the participation, like participating in the what they call a food gatherings, potlucks, and the things where you're supposed to bring in refreshments and things to eat. Like I, I'm thinking now that I should have stopped doing that a long time ago, but I I was participating, and that that would be the first one. Um, the second one. I would have to agree with the asking questions. I wasn't asking questions up until about maybe, I would say, three years ago. Um, So three out of the seven, it was at least uh, maybe four that I wasn't really um, being inquisitive or wanting to know things. Uh, So I would say those two would be ones that were my errors. Uh, I have uh, a couple of reports that I'd like to make. Um, The first one is there was uh, some comments, or at least I would say it was, well, I would say I will separate them into two different ones because they were at at two different times. The first was by a victim, very good worker. I was just overhearing a conversation she was having with the uh, departmental so-called supervisor, black females, because black people don't control anything in the system. 
and she was discussing her stepdaughter not having a job and not being employed. So it it came to a part in the conversation where she was basically trying to say, you got to, you got to get a job or you got to leave the, uh, the residence of the house. And she went into a um, continuous list of things that she wouldn't mind her doing just as long as she would be employed. So she says, you know, I don't care if you're cleaning toilets or scrubbing tables, flipping burgers. She said, heck, you can even rebuild the White House, um, et cetera. So that last one, I was, I had to remember that because I've never heard nothing like that. And I'm thinking, I guess historically from what's been reported, uh, black people are, um, I guess, were uh, the the slaves in the past at that point in time helped build the initial White House. So I, I found that interesting that she made that comment. Um, the second one was the same victim uh, was very frustrated. And this is important because I already said that I wasn't going to participate earlier this year. And she said something similar to what I've been saying because she got a phone call from uh, my supervisor because I've been rejecting the request to participate like consistently. So she never really asked me again. So she's back. She sent an email out about uh, about people contributing fifteen dollars because we have a white woman who's about to um, retire on Friday after being, I guess, 22, 23 years. So when she hung up the phone, she was like, she said, oh my gosh, if, if this lady asked me for $15 again, I'm going to blank. Meaning she met one of the top wardens of uh, white people. So interestingly enough, the departmental supervisor comes out of the office uh, black female, and she comes and sits with this uh, other black female, and they're they're speaking, you know, loud enough for me and the other white female, because there's four of us that work in there, but they're speaking loud enough for us to hear. So she was like, like I don't know why she keep mentioning this fifteen dollars, and you know, she don't even speak to me, they don't even talk to me, they act different over here than they do over there. I was trying to trying to piece it all together because I want to get words accurate as to what the person was actually saying. So she obviously was displaying a point of view that she isn't treated correctly by the person who was requesting $15 of her, which is the supervisor. And she's saying the lady that's retiring don't even really communicate with her. And the uh, the supervisor says, well, would you like me to go talk to her? And I guess she said yes to that. So she was also saying, well, now, you know, with stuff like this happening, it makes me feel like I don't want to participate. So she used feel. Um, and see, my point about this one is that I think this victim is being used to be in that supervisor position. So if something like this occurs, 
they don't want her, the, the employee, to vocalize her uh, concerns, how she's being treated, and her thoughts. So, because if the supervisor goes speaks with this, uh, if the black female goes to speak with the supervisor, she could misinterpret a word. She she might not she might not state everything clearly that the other black female is saying. I think, in my opinion, the black female that has the concern should go speak with the supervisor. And I, that's that's one of the, the disagreements that I had with the way she does that because I just go straight to the white person because she's going to have to do that eventually. And uh, my, my third one is that there was an email that went out about the weekly schedule. Um, and the reason this why I'm bringing this up is I noticed toward the bottom of the email, there was a list of uh, ongoing training um, situations or what she plans to have done for four people. And out of the four people, three of them are white women. So on the first one, it says white woman, white woman one. That's what I'll title it. It has her name. And then it says, we want, we want you to be learning the front counter before this other white woman goes on maternity leave. And then it has in bold italics, like text, this is the priority. And then number two, the second white woman, we want you to learn marriage license uh, by a certain time. And then it says in another bold, this is a goal. This is important. Black female is the third listing, has her name, and says, we want you to learn with two employees, and eventually you'll verify. That's all it said, but it didn't have no bold text by it. Then, white woman three, beneath her name, it says, uh, yeah, we want you to learn scanning with such and such before she goes to the front counter. And then it has, this is very important. So I'm like, wow, they have all, all, everybody else training situations is important or a goal or a priority, but the black person, she didn't have nothing by her name. So I asked uh, the white person, I said, hey, could you come in for a second? <laughs> you know, I said, I, had, I, just, I just, the nearest white person, you know, uh, and it was one of the people on the list. So I said, do you, do you see this right here? And so she looking at the email with me. She said, yeah, it says that she's making it look like, she said, yeah, this is important. This is a goal. And that one, not so much. What she meant is that this is, she can see that racist. So she's um, about to go to the, the counter. And she says, she makes a statement. She says, wow, you know, I'm feeling a little bit called out there, buddy. Um, and then she left. So whatever that meant, I had to I had to um, share those couple of uh, incidents. And that's all I have for now. Thanks for allowing me to share. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny, buddy. Now we, that was Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. That was my man from the Cosby show, bud. 
Bud, The Cosby Show. Anywho, um, that is so, in, paying attention to words, uh, the question that you asked was, do you see this here? Now, I don't, you know, I wasn't there. I'm just going off what was said. Uh, I don't remember you saying, uh, I'm calling you out, because sometimes people say that. I'm calling you out. That what you did there is wrong. I didn't hear you say, you know, come here. I'm calling you out. This is the courthouse, and I'm calling you out for what you did. It was just, do you see this here? And she was, yep, I see it. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any emphasis for the black employee. Everybody else, important. This is, you know, serious. Got to get this done. Gets to the niggers. Eh, eh. She said, you're calling me out, buddy. That right there, see, to me, is acknowledging, as you said, the racism, white supremacy, and the incorrect. Generally, when it's calling out time, someone has done something incorrect. Uh, she was acknowledging, yes, something incorrect has happened here. Racism, white supremacy, and I might be culpable. Uh, and you weren't even calling out, just asking her, does she see this? Yes, she is not ignorant about racism. Uh, I also think being direct, I think retired firefighter has spoken about that before. Uh, if there's a problem or something with the situation about the $15, uh, be direct uh, in the workplace and for many reasons specifically the one that you gave about you do not want to give an opportunity uh, for a race soldier to conveniently uh, misquote paraphrase you incorrectly add in you know two or eight other sentences that you did not say you want to totally eliminate room for that to happen at all uh, talk to whomever needs to be addressed talk to them uh, directly, whatever white person that can solve the problem or whatever individual, if it's a non-white person that can get the problem solved so that you are never again nagged for $15, bam, talk to them yourself so that you can say whatever needs to be said. Do not depend on a white messenger that is giving them an opportunity to practice racism. Uh, and even if it was a non-white person, I wouldn't want to do that because I'm it just... <laughs> It's an opportunity they might uh, misconstrue what you said, uh, where it gets stated differently or stand by your work and be willing to speak up and speak for yourself. Uh, that is like rule number one of counter racism. Words matter. Uh, and if you have an opportunity to select your words and speak for yourself, that is always better than having somebody else go and speak on your behalf. Um the $15 thing, I think we talked about, or I talked about that specifically last week. I think we mentioned that before. Anything where it's pitching in, if it's pitching in for lottery tickets, birthday cake, funeral services, going away party, uh, no. And I would not have, we talked about shame before, I would not have any shame, embarrassment, humiliation, whatever sob story that you need to come up with. Oh, man. I am hurting. I got to take care of my children. I got to take care of me. It's Christmas season. I got to buy 15 million uh, presents. It's nigger Friday. I mean, Black Friday. Man, I just don't have $15. Matter of fact, you have a couple bucks I can borrow for gas money. I, whatever sob story so that they do not ask. I wouldn't feel bad about that at all, but it would be never uh under any circumstances with and that's another one expectations uh because it once you do it 
boop, if they see you, if it's a black person and you do it, then they're going to expect if it's a black person or somebody that you like, you can hit them up privately, even away from the office. And, you know, if you want to take them out for lunch or dinner or get them a card or whatever, but I would not participate in any of that. So much of that, it ends up being rife uh, with tackiness and everything else. Uh, around it, I would not. I would make that clear from the beginning. I don't have any expectation that you all are gonna divvy up and you know hook up, hook me up uh, with a fried chicken dinner and watermelon on my birthday. So yeah, it's all good. No expectations. I don't participate in any of that. Courteous, cordial, every day, but that's just not my thing. And let's proceed back to work. Uh, the. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the building, the White House, strangely, the building, the White House uh, comment reminded me of uh, Mr. Fuller's remarks about since the Obamas were there for those eight years, him saying that that whole thing needed to be blown up. And now Mr. Trump is there. Uh, That's what it reminds me of. Yet the Negras doing the building, of course, of course. But that's what it uh, reminds me of. Like, oh, yeah, that whole places in ruins needs to be fumigated anyway let the niggers there you can that's project that needs to be done go rebuild the white house that counts uh other folks uh who dialed in much obliged uh caller in florida uh thomas in new york greetings sir good evening Gus. greetings hey Gus, did you ever get that picture were you ever able to look at that picture What was the picture? I remember we talked about this. What was the picture? Let's see if it if it jogs my memory. Let's see. A white a white partner uh, with his white wife. Oh, in the the dashiki in the dashiki. Yes, yes, I saw it. Yes. yes, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's the very racist um, top earner for the firm, um, and he's very proud of that picture. Um, <clears throat> so. Um, you have a white partner at the firm who's an older white woman, um, and I assume she's a lesbian um, based off of the way she looks, her hairstyle, uh, the way she dresses in real slacks, um, turtlenecks every day. And um, she referred, um, when we had the, the company trip on a um, company boat ride, she referred to her um, spouse as her partner. Um, so um, she, I hate this lady. Um, I hate, you know, because she's uh, she's not that old. Um, she has gray hair, but she, um, she, 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 she claims she can't open her mail. So every day I have to open all her mail for her, which is, you know, just a added responsibility that, you know, I don't, you know, Feel as though I should have to do. She got a secretary, and also um, every time I go in her office, she gets startled. Like uh, she has to hold her heart. Like oh my god, like you know, I'm like how did I else did I get up here? Um, so you know, now I knock or I, I start speaking to her before I enter her office, and um, just to keep her from being startled. Um, if she passes me in the hallway. She acts very frightened. Um, I almost get scared, but she's a hoarder. So um, she keeps everything in her office. It's a wreck. Um, she doesn't want to throw anything out. And of course, I'm working on this project where we have to throw everything out. So I've been having to deal with her 
Um, but she has a picture of this little, uh, of a young, shouldn't say little, a young um, black girl in her um, office. And um, one day I walk in and the black girl is there. Uh, and she introduces to her to me as her daughter. So, you know, I assume that she abducted this black female. Um, but I just found out the other day that this white uh, female is married to a black man who's um, pretty wealthy and well-known well in the New York City. I, I won't, you know, say his name, but he's well-known in New York politics. So I just thought that was very interesting. So that's her yeah, exactly. That's her daughter from marriage. Um, had a meeting with the CEO to explain the move. Um, like I said, the office is moving. And um, what's expected from everyone, et cetera. And this is um, solidification of um, who's in charge. Um, the CEO, a white female. Um, the owner um, is a white male, and he's an older white male and his secretary is my terrorist and um she oh controlled the whole entire meeting overspoke the ceo over and over again corrected her continuously um just you know reprimanded people outright in this meeting um so um in particular before this meeting i was told by the terrorist to take five boxes of boxes across the street um, to the other office and then make those boxes into, you know, the boxes. So let's just say the box holds 20 boxes, but they're flat. So I have to, you know, take a few minutes to, you know, open it up and pretty much put it together into a little box, you know, for files and other things. So either way, when I got over there with the boxes um, the, on the other, on the other side, on the other side, in the other office across the street, everyone's moving into one big office now, so it won't be two offices. Um, that's where they do a lot of the billing and things like that. So the chief financial officer, she says, over here we make our own boxes, Thomas. You don't got to worry about that for us. Just, you know, go back and do whatever you were doing, you know. So I go back across, and um, I'm doing what is needed to be done. And the terrorist sees me. So she's, what are you doing over here? So I said, um, doing my job, you know? So she said, didn't I tell you to go? I said, what the boxes? And the CFO told me that, you know, they make their own boxes, don't worry about it. Absolutely not. So she, come with me. So I have to come with her. She gets on the phone. She calls up the CFO, chief financial officer, um, who I am in charge of what Thomas does, not you. You don't tell him what to do. I tell him what to do. I told him to make the boxes. He's coming over there to make the boxes right now. I, don't you ever do that ever again. I, you know, I was like, whoa. So either way, I get over there, and she's like, you know, who does this be think she is? I tell you, Tommy, you know, the, the chief financial officer is um, a person with squinty eyes that is called the Asian. I don't know from what. Asian countries, China, Korea, Japan, one of them. So she's, um, you know, very pissed off behind the way she was spoken to. And we have, you know, an hour we have to go to this meeting. So as we're in the meeting, this lady is just pissed off. And she just rips into her in the meeting about billing and stuff that had nothing to do with this move. Just wanted to... Delegate showed, showed her that she was in charge. So um, 
you know, um, just I just thought that was, um, you know, just 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 how she operates. So um, later on um, that day, I'm back over making the boxes, and she comes over to check on me. And but really, what she had was a whole bunch of stuff that she wanted to um, have taken down from a high area that she needed me to lift it and get it to the floor so she could look through it to see if it was anything worth taking. Um, so that's what we start doing. Um, there's a partner, a guy who used to be a partner, but he started his own accounting um, firm. He has about three or four employees, and he rents office space in that other office from the owner. Um, so he was throwing out a couple of his people here. He has to move as well. Um, and from what I understand, um, he's moving into the same office space as we are, but he, he's um, in the trash can uh, with, that are allocated for recycled paper, and um, she sees him doing it. Um, and as he's, as he's um, you know, throwing it out, she says, what are you doing? So he says, I'm throwing out paper. I've been throwing out paper all day, you know, I have to clean out. That's, we bought that bin. You didn't pay for that with your office. No. Take all your paper out. She stood there and made this man take all his paper out of this big bin. I could not believe it. And, um, you know, this is what I deal with every day. So uh, either way, um, the French lady, who's um, um, pretty much, um, yeah, of course, um, she's been um, working. Um, she has no time to go around and um, do what she normally does. Uh, it's a lot of all eyes is on her. Um, this move, she's the the, CEO, the executive secretary to the CEO. Um, so she she's um, she's been doing what she needs to do. Um, and she yelled at the French lady. So um, the French lady comes whining. Oh my God! You know. I just um, can't believe she spoke to me like that. And I went to the boss, and the boss says, well, you know, suck it up. You know, talk to me the same way, I guess she said. <laughs> so um, either way, um, she's like, you know, but I'm not going to stand for this. And, you know, and, and I told her how rotten she speaks to you. I said, well, listen, don't do that. <laughs> you know, do not do that. I deal I've I, this lady's been consistent since I know her. I expect her to speak to me this way. You don't have to go and say anything on my behalf. I'm, I don't want no parts of that. She says, oh, but no, no. She talks to you a certain way. You make your case for yourself. I don't have any, I, I deal with her. I have to deal with her. She's the boss. I deal with her. That's just how it is. So, you know, I nip that in the, in the bud. Um, however, um, so later on that day, She's throwing out things, and she threw out things that she wasn't supposed to. Um, and uh, when the terrorist walks past, of course, I'm standing there. She accuses me of doing it. And I said, well, wait a minute now. I, I work for you. You know I wouldn't do that. Well, who do you think would do that? I said, hey, listen, I saw Catherine throwing things. Well, I shouldn't have said the name, but saw her throwing things in this trash. You know, maybe you mean I knew she did it. So she went over there. I mean, you could hear it all around the office that she yelled at this French lady. And um, later on that day, this is the last little part, um, she asked me to go back across the street to throw some more things out with us. Oh, my goodness. So I go over there, and she says, thank you for throwing Catherine under the bus. 
I loved it. And then we kept on working. But that's all I want to say. Thank you, Gus. Woo! Mm, mm, mm. Much obliged, Thomas, in New York. What a week. Um, that is... Uh, that is a, a shrewd counter-racist uh, move when uh, the female employee was going to go make her case for how the white woman talks to you all. And you said, well, well wait, wait a minute. Do not, you know, amend my case as though you're going to make a grievance on my behalf. Uh, if you, you know, want to go deal with your situation and how she talks to you then, you know, that's fine. But do not lump my case in uh, as though, yeah. And I got Thomas's back too. Like, I got it. I have to deal with her and I'm already, you know, figuring out the best way to deal with her. I think that is a very shrewd move uh, in my opinion because that could have had repercussions uh, with whites. Uh, I'm not surprised the antics of the ra- even in fact i just wanted to pause given what we just heard uh either me too has been you know way more successful than we think uh or the notion of weak white women who are darn near in the same position as negras uh is astronomically false uh these white women do not sound uh, marginalized uh, victims of toxic masculinity. They sound like uh, they are wielding that same authority on the plantation that Dr. Curry talks about in The Man Not, uh, which has been my experience uh, in the workplace for my entire life. White women act like they own and run the joint. Uh, but I'm not surprised that her antics uh, in terrorizing this Asian female, it sounded like non-white female, uh, over what you were doing. You're not going to tell my nigra what to do. I tell him what to do. Who do you think you are usurping my authority over how the nigras on the plantation are going to be used and what they're doing? Uh, the moving, things getting, uh, I guess, moved and, and you going to be blamed. I don't think that's throwing anyone under the bus. I guess that's what the white woman uh, said. I think that's just being uh, correct. If there's an allegation, you know, hey, I, I do what I am told. Uh, you can investigate. There are other folks here uh, that you can investigate. That might be one, too. Uh, I think Mr. Williams has said it at times. Uh, that's one where, hey, this white person, if you don't already know who did it, you have much more authority than me. You can find this out without my help. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not saying you did anything incorrect, but that's just one an opportunity because they sometimes they do like to do that. They'll they'll put it back on you and say, oh, yeah, Thomas, he was the one who pointed out that you uh, you didn't do this or that sort of thing where they can put it off uh, and say that, oh, yeah, it was a black person who pointed you out, ratted you out to us to let us know that you were the one that messed this up uh, to try to sidestep that at times. But great work. Sorry you had to deal with the uh, abuse and the moving and all of that to be expected. Uh, to try and minimize as best you can in dealing with the white woman and hopefully the uh, race soldier who likes to do all the petting and fondling and disrobing. Uh, you can keep her at a uh, great distance. Maybe they'll fire her since she was messing up the, the filing and throwing out stuff that she wasn't supposed to. Maybe they'll terminate her and that'll one problem solved, one less racist to deal with. Uh, let's see. 
other folks who dialed in, if you have commentary, still looking for uh, errors, moments in your work history where if you had practiced counter-racism, things would have been better and or uh, if you had been more informed about counter-racism, you could have made better decisions. Uh, others who dialed in with a hand up, line should be open. May I be heard? I uh, heard, uh, was there a female caller? Princess, are you with us? If there was a female caller, by all means. Oh, okay. Are you there, ma'am? We, we heard you. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, this is Princess. Um, I would say as far as uh, you asked, if there were any mistakes we may have made. Correct. Okay. Um, I would say in the beginning, uh, not with my job uh, currently, although I'm on leave, but um, past a few times, I know definitely when I was uh, at Comcast, um, and that was before I knew anything about the show and stuff like that. Um, my biggest mistake there, looking back now, was uh, being an advocate for everybody. You know, everybody would come to me with their problems, and they knew I would speak out in meetings about certain things, and um, and you know, didn't have a, a problem in voicing my opinion on stuff or challenging someone on policy. And, you know, although I would be right, per se, because it would affect me, a lot of times things that were happening to other people, uh, that was just based on their performance because I never had an issue uh, with performance at Comcast. Um, they solely came after me primarily um, other than the issue with uh, my then uh, branch manager. Um, but as far as performance, no, they, they couldn't get me on anything like that. And looking back now and, and what I've been doing since, like if it's not pertaining to me, um, I'm not going in the office. I'm not calling corporate or, or advocating for what may have happened a grievance that may have happened to somebody else. They they got to fight their own fight. I'm only concerned with what's happening with me, and if I include somebody in something, it's because they're helping build my case um, or if they're willing to speak on something. Uh, same thing like with the uh, situation that I have as far as with my um, piracy and slash. Um, Everybody, like I said, they said, you know, you need me to speak on this or you're just going out of my way because somebody says, well, this person said this to me and I don't know what to do. And you can, um, you think you can say something to them because they'll listen to you. I don't do that no more. Um, but as far as, uh, uh, currently, I had called last week, uh, update on my workplace situation. I've been out 
uh, from my current position on uh, FMLA. I had put in the paperwork a month ago, and I just happened to call last week because I wanted to make sure that my information had been uh, submitted and everything was good and ready um, so that way I can get paid. And lo and behold, they had indicated, uh, and of course, this is after I had already left Florida. Um, for that, uh, they said because I had included in my um, paperwork that I was going to be overseeing my dad's uh, company that um, they didn't want to improve the FMLA. And so, I but I didn't get the notification or anything because I'm up here. They sent it uh, in the mail on the 4th of November. And I'm like, well, they could have told me that before I left the state. I, I was there almost a, a week and a half with the store manager. They could have easily told me that because I had to submit paperwork physically to them. And so they knew this. Um, so they were talking about having all this that I have to do whatever, so it's been, I've been playing phone tag and with um, corporate and stuff uh, because I had received a text from my store manager basically saying, um, I'm going to read it right now because he sent, he sent the exact same one today and my dad just told me not to uh, uh, respond to him, just keep uh responding to corporate and from this point on if anybody needs to ask him anything because I mean he hasn't told me the full extent of medically what's going on with him but he did uh, mention to me that I guess he had uh, some type of reaction to after the um, treatments and stuff so he's just been physically weak and tired so um, you know like he said Again, it's the nature of the work that he does. If it's not uh, a necessity for you to know something, he will not tell you. Uh, so, you know, until I spoke to him last night, you know, like I told him, I said, I was just trying to be as transparent with them as possible so that way they didn't think that this was a joke or anything, but he just told me it's just letting people know certain information they don't people don't need to know certain things that's all so uh my store manager had texted me he basically was asking me uh what's the status on my employment and have i found a transfer uh a store that i can transfer to and am i if i'm leaving the company now when i met uh with him when i returned back uh, to Florida on the 19th when I first came up here to visit my father. Uh, I have a recorded conversation with him about this, two of them actually. And so he has, he already knows what the situation is. And so this was his first time reaching out to me about this. But yet he already knows that we've already discussed this. He knows what, it's in my paperwork what I've requested. He already knows what he's done with my performance review. Um, and, you know, so you're blocking me from getting a transfer because you wrote a poor uh, performance review on me uh, after I had to get corporate and stuff involved. So it's just like, you know, these games that they're playing and stuff. And um, 
I don't know. Like lately, I've just been like, I just feel like I want to walk away from this because I, like I said, I already got um, my job lined up uh, for another company here. But I'm mainly here, like I said, because I'm studying right now to do my certifications in order to help my dad out. So that way I will be able to handle the stuff in the office, you know, as far as with the government. So uh, that's just been the main priority. I mean, if, if even if whatever I have lined up for me in the next month falls through, that's not really a, per se a concern of mine. It's mainly trying to make sure that I get my certifications and stuff so that way, come February, when this um, contract that they're trying to bid on comes through, you know, the company's good. So that's the main reason why I had to be here and be in place. But I'm just, like, frustrated at this point because it just seems like it doesn't even matter, even if you cross your teeth dot your eyes, they will still find a way to, excuse my language, fuck with you. And I've just absolutely had it to the to the point, like I said, all this came about, you know, when my uncle got killed, um, my mom's going through all this stuff, and, you know, my dad's sick, and it is just a lot of stuff going on, and I'm I'm just like just tired of just fighting. And I thought that hey, they don't want me there. I don't want to be there. This is a win-win for everybody. And they just still find a a chance to just want to fuck with you. And I I just it's just crazy. But um, and as far as white females, um. I would just say that that is something I feel that we definitely need to pay more focus on. I know we focus a lot on uh, the white male, of course, but white females, they are something to be reckoned with because they like to do a lot of sneaky stuff behind the scenes. And I'll move on. Deception. May a uh, pri- primary weapon in the system of racism, white supremacy, uh, lots of sneakiness and uh, backbiting, as they call it, uh, in the workplace. I say that on a regular basis. The conversations that they have when we are not present, I mean, they abound, uh, frequently talking about us when we are not present. Uh, in terms of advocating for others, counter-racism, absolutely uh, army of one. I mean, that's admirable. I think we have had a, a good number of people who have tried to help out um, other black people that they work with or other non-white people that they work with. But generally speaking, counter-racism is going to be an individual uh, effort. Uh, and then same thing that I you know, just said, be direct. I have the problem, I will be the one to, to speak to, not, you know, I have the problem and, you know, let me go get 
Miss Johnson or, you know, Mr. Uh, Rogers to go and speak on my behalf. That's not the way that uh, counter-racism is supposed to uh, work. So certainly uh, with others, uh, if they want a thought or two and you trust them, that's fine. But it would be encouraging them. If this is a problem for you, then you should talk to such and such and such and such and perhaps ask this question to see if you can help get this problem uh, resolved. Uh, but yeah, that's I think that's intelligent decision uh, for you to make to not be the resident advocate on behalf of all of the uh, aggrieved victims of racism uh, with a problem uh, in the workplace. Uh, I. Pfft, Number one priority, best wishes to uh, your father. I hope he uh, recuperates quickly and can get his uh, health back quickly. Um, I guess with the FMLA, for those of us in the future, that might be something to be alert about in terms of uh, whatever information that you give to them. If it's if you're going to do help out another family member or what have you to maybe not include any information that makes it seem like uh, you are going to be working or doing something in a capacity that like, oh, you could you could be working. You could be using your time and energy here with us as opposed to whatever else you're going to be doing. That That might be a lesson I guess the rest of us can take forward about what information to include or what to omit uh, when filling out for uh, filing for FMLA. Uh, I would not be surprised if they wasted your time and energy in terms of when they told you about the decision. Uh, it's been my experience that that does happen deliberately a lot of times when we don't get information in the uh, most timely manner or they'll make it cumbersome where they could have told you that information earlier and then they waited until way down the line even though the decision had probably already been made that sort of thing standard operating procedure just the general tackiness uh and same thing i think a lot of folks talked about just getting frustrated and worn down about everything i think it's phenomenal that you already have something lined up uh another job opportunity lined up uh so it's not like your everything is is hinging uh on this i can feel your frustration uh about this and just you know trying to work your plan uh if you can salvage things and, and kind of work through it uh, until you're ready to, to transition to something better. Uh, that's great. But uh, it, it certainly, I know that the, the incidents, the car slashing and racist comments from folks who work there saying nigger while they work. I mean, it's been a lot of terrorism to deal with on the job. And that that has a corrosive impact on our health to be in that sort of toxic environment for a long time. Uh, and just dealing with that every day, ongoing abuse, ongoing abuse. Uh, other folks, uh, number again, 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, is it true that we don't have any folks who on their job, it's a stated part of the like rules and regulations, there can be no uh, quote unquote dating, no romantic activity between employees. Nobody has that as a part of their policy and procedure, or at least no one that's, that we're hearing from currently. May I be heard? Yes, sir. We have that in our policy book. Oh, we did get one, Princess. You said you got that in your policy book. It's 
do you do you recall the language that they use specifically? Does it say no dating or no like do you do you remember the language? If you don't, that's fine too. I can't remember uh, the terminology they use. I do think they make uh, some type of exceptions, like you could work if you do happen to work at the same store. It can't be in a, a same uh, position. Uh, like if you're in a leadership role, or if you're in pharmacy, or something like that. Um, if you're just a regular um, team member, then basically you could work in the same store, but you have to have a completely separate shift. You got to, like, if the person works at 7 a.m. to 3, the the other person has to be coming in at uh, from 3 to close or something like that. They can never be on a same set shift during the day. But as far as for members of management, you can't work at the same store, same level. You'll have to work at a completely different store. Counter-racist codification. Uh, They know that sex thing. As I said, people frequently, emotions can get the best of them. Uh, much obliged, Princess. Uh, the mail caller who yielded to Princess to begin with. Uh, much obliged, sir. Thank you. Uh, yes, thank you, Gus. And uh, again, uh, greetings to the callers and listeners. Uh, thank you, Gus, again for the platform. I've uh, just recently um, trying to make strategic moves in my in my in my uh, all my plantation that I'm working at. The the um, difficult thing about it is my manager currently has been moving to undermine me at different points and junctions. And I say this in regards to the company has been downsizing, so it has been laying off uh, tremendous amounts of people. So in the process, what I've been doing, uh, instead of um, worrying about being laid off or anything of that nature, I've been looking to move into another department which would be more secure and more stable. Um, the department I, I looked into is actually actually reached back out to me and asked me to do a project for them. I then proceeded to tell them that I would like to work with them, obviously, and then forwarded the information to my manager, who was a non-white male, but he he would be classified. He he classifies himself as Dominican, but Physically, um, if you see him, you wouldn't be able to tell. He could pass for, quote-unquote, so-called white. So he functions as a white male, and it's, it's, it's almost, I don't know if anybody else has been uh, experienced this, but it's almost worse in these scenarios where you deal with somebody who can pass as white. They tend to be more uh, vigilant and more um, devious and their actions towards other non-whites and just to show that they can actually, that they're not actually showing any favoritism. Um, so basically what's happened is when I forward him the information in regards to the group that is willing to work with me and has a project for me, he never responded. I reached back out two days later. He then informed me that the project that they came to me with, he forwarded it to another group of people within our team. 
uh, without having a conversation with me, without any information. So I did the next corresponding thing, which is reach out to the more higher and powerful white, which is the director. I met with the director on one occasion first, and he uh, reciprocated and wanted to see me advance, wanted to see more things transpire. And unfortunately, this Tuesday, when I met with him a second time, he stated to me that he met with my manager and my manager stated that I am not performing up to par and gave a long, at least eight point list of things that I was not doing properly. I was shocked and a little bit appalled at the fact that my manager did this because I'm aware that he has no quote unquote respect for me. He, he could have, if he wanted to, I, I just don't understand. I'm a little confused on it a little bit, but I thought that if you don't want me in the group and I'm looking to move out of the group, that he would let me move out of the group. But instead, he undermined me with the director. And now the director is having second thoughts about advancing me and moving me in the proper direction. So what I did entail via email, I asked the director to give me the list of all the things that the manager stated that I wasn't doing appropriately. I'm going to have a meeting with my manager next week, Wednesday, where I sit down and go over all these, all the things on the list. Only one of these things is somewhat significant out of eight. All the rest of them I could easily combat by via email and verification from other clients that I deal with. So my thought is this, is that this may lead to a situation where, I, from what I'm seeing, that I may be getting, I may be written up where he's working with another white male on my team to undermine me. And if I get written up again, I'm still going to do what I'm doing as far as paperwork and documenting everything and make sure I put everything to HR. But also, I will hedge my bets and look for other work. Um, and in the process, work with the group, the group that, and this is one of the, the, the keys to this, when my manager gave the job away to the other gentlemen within my group, it was incomplete. The group that, re that reached out to me and asked me to work with them then came back to me and stated this work was done improperly. Please have your manager or you yourself do this again, which was, which is extremely great. But the problem that I'm having is, should I take this email that was forwarded to me and forwarded to my director and state that my manager did not put me on this job and it's not complete properly. And the group is asking for me to do it specifically or should I fall back and pass it to my manager and use that as ammunition for a later HR meeting? Um, and that's kind of my question. I, I hope I was clear and concise with that, but that's where I'm having an issue. Um, and either way, as a second note, I am still going to be looking for other work outside of the company because I just, I see the energy that I'm putting into just transferring out of my group as so much that it might be best for me to look outside of the whole entire company and that might be the best solution. 
because uh, working with a manager that doesn't like you is just not productive. It's just not going to work. Later on, either later or sooner, he'll eventually undermine me or try to cut, cut, basically cut me under. Um, again, that being said, I'll, I'll mute my line and uh, thank you for the platform. Much obliged, sir. Uh, be interesting to hear from uh, other listeners as well about the best course of action in terms of do you forward uh, your documentation, do you forward it to the director or to your immediate uh, supervisor for a HR, HR uh, consultation? Um, I guess with the overall of what you shared in terms of uh, being undermined and, you know, making sure to update your uh, resume so that you can, you know, be in position to move along if need be to find a better uh, plantation. Uh, I think that's always wise for all of us, uh, particularly given what you kind of concluded with about the circumstances working with a direct manager who seems to be directly hostile to you and is looking to uh, sabotage uh, your efforts. Uh, and I don't think any of us should be uh, shocked or surprised about that. Uh, anyone classified as white, uh, where it's, you know, if you don't want me here uh, and I can move along, it's not just, oh, okay, well, I'll allow you to move along. It's, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to try and sabotage you as you're <laughs> trying to, to move out that that's generally how whites function. Uh, they derive pleasure uh, in just watching us have difficulty and, and struggle. That is, you know, their existence. Um, I think at least my view, and like I said, this is one I'd be curious to hear from other folks. Uh, it might be that you could send the information to both the director and your immediate supervisor. Um, that way, the director, if the more powerful white person who has the ability to move you to uh, a better location within the company, he can see the documentation to see, you know, that they wanted you specifically to do whatever the task is. Uh, and then your immediate supervisor as well um, for the human uh, resource consultation, uh, like you said, I mean, because that could be for, and for two different purposes. That way he can see that you're competent uh, since he's trying to sabotage you and make it look like you uh, are another defective Negro who shouldn't have been hired to begin with. Uh, so you have your information to refute that with him. And then with your direct supervisor, if you are going to be staying there to at least uh, address some of these immediate problems, false allegations, I say that all the time, that is something serious uh, where if if things are being done in an incorrect manner, uh, and particularly if there are being charges made that you're not doing your job correctly, if you have information to refute that, then you can get that addressed there as well. So maybe both would be an option. Uh, what do what do folks think uh, about sharing the information? Would you just take it directly to the director? Just take it to the supervisor? Uh, both? None of the above? What do what do folks think about that? Uh, heard both of you. We'll nab uh, Stacy and then uh, Princess. Uh, Stacy in London. Um, yeah, thanks, Constantine. Thanks to Princess. Um, just quickly, I have been in a position and I spoke about it probably a while ago on the, maybe back in 2016 on the cows. Um, 
I was in a similar position in that I was interviewed for a position. My manager at the time was undermining me, wasn't renewing my temporary contract or she was stalling. And um, in the meanwhile, I'd gone and been um, interviewed for a role and it was a two-stage process. So the director of the new team was giving me feedback and she basically said, you know, you've had a really flawless interview. However, I've heard some negative things about you and proceeded to tell me what my manager said. And, I, you know, I was stunned and I had to give, you know, she was giving me an opportunity to respond. Um, so I, you know, I said what I needed to say. And um, needless to say, I was appointed to the role. So in terms of the director who is in the new team that you mentioned, they could hear what was being said or they could use their own judgment and um, uh, move you onto the project if they really wanted to. So I wouldn't um, necessarily um, uh, forward the email to your current line manager and the new director. What I would do is email the team and say, you know, you're more than willing to help, but you were not appointed also you weren't allocated to the project so basically request that um you know demonstrate that you're still willing to help but ask them to you know um look at talking to you know your, your new director or whatever put it back in their hands basically um and then continue to follow up with hr and all the rest of it i mean my line guys i do have an update but um when everybody else has contributed hmm. interesting strategy stacy like that uh princess did you have a uh, commentary yeah i was gonna um initially say that he should uh copy both the director and the manager but uh his immediate manager but only because he had stated that it was his direct manager that had gotten the um, director in on, uh, you know, going over his performance and stuff. I, it's kind of similar to my situation where uh, the new DM, the incoming DM, basically she picked up where the other DM left off and they kind of, you know, briefed her on uh, me per se. I never met her or anything, but she was basically uh, – picking up where the other DM left off and was going off of whatever they've already been told. So I would say I would just keep it contained to the, the direct manager. So that way at the end of the day, um, if anything goes down, he, it, it will fall on him mainly uh, because he's the one writing the performance and so then you can just go at him directly, um, point by point, on what's incorrect on it. Because it sounds like they've already had their meeting or, or talked about the situation, you know, behind closed doors. So it's, it, it almost sounds like they, they've already had their uh, email correspondence going about him uh, possibly moving over to a different department. He's trying to uh, 
make it seem like, oh, no, he's incompetent, this, that, and other. He won't be a good fit there. So they wanted to have this uh, meeting with him because normally, like for us, uh, if they meet with you or something like that, they have to have two people uh, present with you. Now, that's not for you. That's for them. Uh, so, so that way they have their witness and, you know, uh, I guess for legal matters. But um, I, I would say to just uh, uh, go directly to the um, manager. Because to get him involved, the the director, um, he's just going to be an outside spectator. And, again, he's already going to side with um, the manager. So if you can get the manager to concede to some of the um, incorrect information on the performance review, then uh, send the information over to the director the director, because all he really wants to know is whether or not you can do the job. He'll sign off on whatever. But he's getting the okay from his manager. So, that's how I look at it. I could be wrong. Well, well, well the, the thing is, is that my manager is the one that's mainly undermining me. My immediate manager has no... He, he basically, at this point, is trying to make sure that not only do I have no way of getting out of the group, but I'm also viewed as a person that is non-productive in the group. Um, the way that I'm going to counter this is the fact that the things that he brought forth to my manager have never been brought forth to me. They shouldn't have been escalated to my director if they were never brought to me. So henceforth, how am I supposed to know... Do you guys have like mid-year reviews? Like they have a, a year review, then they have a mid-year review. Correct. Do you guys correct. have we that, do. or is it just once a year? Um, we have mid-year reviews as well. The thing is, is that um, it's it's passed already. So no, I'm saying so in that mid-year review, he never mentioned anything. Nope. Uh, about nope. any of these things on this list from your review that you just nope. released Tuesday, correct? Okay. Not so at that's all. What, that's basically what happened to me because I had my mid, a mid-year mid review in April, and this was the day that I had this exchange with this person who slashed my tires. So after I had we had this huge meeting, I go and do my mid-year review. He's like, everything's great. I have it in writing, all this stuff. And so after this whole hoopla happened, now, you know, I'm on the, the naughty list. So... If you got uh, any type of documentation from your mid-year review, or you just make a note of it, hey, how come you can you can ask them? Well, where was this all presented at in my mid-year review? Because this is just new to me now. So, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll let yeah. You yeah, that's that's one of the things that I'm I'm going to be shooting for. I already scheduled a meeting with my immediate manager to address these things and say, out of these eight things on the list, there's maybe one that's really sufficient, and it, I mean that's one that's really actual true, actually true. Everything else is just falsified and exaggerated. And added on to that, why are you bringing this up to my direct to the director instead of bringing it up to me? 
if you had a serious issue with it. And that's where via email, I'm going to send the email first documenting that so that when the time comes, because he's going to take me to HR, I'm pretty sure of it. He's not that smart. Um, so at that point in junction, when I have that documented with HR, that when, when we sit down and have that HR discussion, that will be one of my first points is that he never really put this on the table as an issue. He then put it on the table after he passed me over for the project, which is another stripe against him. Sorry for the analogy, but another, uh, another mark against him because a proper manager would actually tell me, I'm not good at putting, I'm not going to put you on this project because you have X, Y, and Z as an issue. Handle those things first, then I'll put you on the project. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's where I'm right. trying to come from, trying to build up my case because I think that he is, um, he's operating off of what the other so-called whites on my team are deeming me, which is, um, and I find this, this is really interesting. This goes back to the man not um, book reading with Dr. Curry, which is one of a Russian, one of the two, two of the workers in my group, one of, both of them Russian. And I said to one of the Russian guys in my office, he's in my direct room. I said to him, I said, the other Russian guy on our team always makes sexual remarks about me and other women in the office. And he go, and he said to me, he goes to, as a re reply, he goes, that's weird. A man making sexual remarks about your sexual, um, whatever, uh, uh, vibe or feeling. And then he goes uh, at a later, later time during the same day, he goes, you know, it's interesting. I got to tell you, um, all those guys over there in the other group that are white that have an issue with you. And you're a six foot one black man with, uh, six, you know, 180 pounds, six foot one black male. And they all have an issue with you. Isn't that odd? And I didn't catch it when he said it. And I said, wait a minute. After like literally when I went home, I didn't even have time to process this because I'm in the middle of work and all the other things that are hectic in New York City. But I, I processed it on the way home. He told me he and, and, and this on multiple levels was really interesting is that the fact that he assessed my size, he assessed my weight and then correlated it with the fact that the white men in the other group and within my group have an issue with me physically and sexually. I just, I kind of was like, whoa. He said so much in that one statement. And I don't even think he realized it. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But I thought it was just so much. And I had to really put things into context. And that's why I say that. I'm hedging my bets. I'll do my paperwork and make sure that when HR comes, I'll have everything set. But I'll also look for another job because I just don't see myself working within the group because of that dynamic right there. That's that's enough. To, that's enough to get me fired as it is. If anyone is ignorant about racism, it's black people. Black people. Black people. Black people. Black people. Great point of emphasis. Long time since I've included that sound clip. Uh, I always think it's best to assume that the white person, male, female, infant, they are not ignorant about racism. Uh, and I'm sure he was very aware of what he was saying, why he was saying it. Uh, that 
no, it is not shocking at all <laughs> that they would have a problem with a larger black male. Not shocking at all. Uh, did did any other folks want to give a, a thought on the yay nay about sharing the information? Uh, just double checking. I know Princess might have had another comment, but just any of the other folks who dialed in, did you all want to give a suggestion on whether or not you would share the report with the director, line manager, whatever, how you would try to deal with that? Assume folks are good on that one. Uh, I think we did have other folks who had not shared yet. So let's see. I guess, Princess, if you can get your, if you had one more thing you were going to share uh, with our mail caller that you can get in like 30 seconds, then we'll see if we can get our other callers also. Yeah, you can go ahead. Grant, let's see. Uh, other folks who dialed in, did we miss anyone, anyone with a hand up that we have uh, missed totally thus far? Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Codified software developer. Hi, good evening, Gus. Good evening to all the callers and listeners on the line. Um, a few things. I, I got in here a little bit late, and um, I heard Princess uh, talking about the SMLA, and it reminded me of a situation I had when I was working for Milwaukee Public Schools, and um, I was in school full-time. And I had gotten um, I had gotten an internship because it was necessary uh, for me to get an internship in order to get a job in the in um, development. And I asked for a leave of absence, and I was told we had a union or the the MTS had a union um, for their secretary. So that's what I was working as at that time. And I was told by the head of the union that I had another that she had heard I had another job, uh, and so I wasn't eligible for a leave of absence. Now, the head secretary at the school I was working at was a white female. They were really close. Uh, so I guess this white female told her that. And, um, you know, I spoke about it with my mother, and my mother said, well, you know, uh, you can stay with me and you don't have to pay rent or just quit the job and get a better job, which I ended up doing. Um, and I was very blessed and fortunate to have my mother with me at that time. Um, but as soon as I turned in the two-week notice, uh, the white female that had the union came back and said, oh, I just wanted to let you know your leave of absence came through. And I was like, hmm, wow. Okay, uh, you know, so they 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 really like to f with you, as you said, Princess, and uh, that was very deliberate what she did, and I'm pretty sure that's very deliberate what they're doing um, at your place of employment as well. Uh, in terms of Jay and NYC, um, I do think that you should probably forward that to your manager and to your director just for. Um, documentation, but I also like Stacey's idea about forwarding it to the team as well, and perhaps actually forwarding it to the team and asking uh, and letting people know that you're willing to be able to help, and then courtesy copying the director and the manager. So there's some documentation 
of your willingness to be a team player, quote unquote. Um, I also think that, yeah, you should probably start looking for new employment. I think that, that, uh, that manager is really, um, targeting you. Um, and, and I don't think that, I mean, it's either going to turn out to be you either resign because you've gotten a new job or you get fired because this, um, and I'm just going to say this race soldier, because at this point, I, I do believe he's, he's acting as a white person. He is, he is definitely acting as a white person. Um, this race soldier is, is, is going to do something that will inevitably lead to your termination. So I would recommend looking for a new uh, plantation. As far as a quick anecdote from me, uh, I just I had a meeting with the lead architect on Monday. It was uh, several people who were talking about vacation, and he asked me because at the company I work at, when you get to five years, you're fully vested and you get five weeks of vacation. And he asked me, did I have five years yet? And I said, no, uh, it'll be five years next year if I don't get fired first. And he said, oh, well, you know, I'll work on any project with you at any time. And I said, oh, that's so sweet. And he kind of said, you know, because I was being sarcastic. Anyway, so he then said, you know, or at any company. So I thought that was interesting. I was a little taken aback by that. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I filed it away. So I was outside, and he was walking to get his lunch. Um, and he he comes over to me, he, you know, he says hello, and I say hello, and he comes over to me, he starts talking about how he doesn't know what company he's working for anymore, and, uh, you know, this the company has had this loyalty for him for 23 years, and he's had loyalty to this company, and now he doesn't have the same loyalty, and he doesn't know what he's going to do, and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's what it is, that's the real world, you know. And it seemed like he was fishing for something. And I, I thought it was interesting. I'm thinking about it. Uh, I wish I would have recorded it because I think that he was fishing for something. I think either he's trying to move around and open his own company and starting to try to post talent, or he's trying to see what, what I'm interested in doing or both. Uh, so I'm going to see how that shapes up. Other than that, I don't have any more updates. Thank you for allowing me to share. They are manipulative. Uh, I think Princess mentioned that earlier as well. The sneakiness, uh, poaching talent, just trying to keep tabs on the niggers, sharing uh, in from the surveillance takes a lot of different forms uh, at times. Uh, incidentally, uh, with the suggestions that were still being handed out, I liked uh, Codified Software Developers' suggestions uh, for a mail caller as well. Um, when they come with the way that they they did the attack on him and he's trying to move to a new team and then his supervisor says, oh, this is the most incompetent Negro we've, you know, ever hired here. Got my list of eight things that he's, you know, messed up this morning. That's why it's so important those uh, either the mid-year reviews or wherever, performance evaluations, it's so important because that's where all of that should be addressed if there are any problems. If that didn't come up there, then what's the deal? What's even on that? 
uh, review. Let's get a copy of that to see what it said there. And we've had so many listeners over the years who said they end up not doing those reviews, end up being late uh, with those reviews. And that can end up, I mean, just being real problems for you, not for them. Uh, Them not doing those reviews in a timely manner, uh, not doing them at all. Uh, Sometimes we've had some calls with that. Uh, where it can just cause more and more problems. Uh, Really take that seriously and really uh, get on them. That's when you definitely want an electronic paper trail of where is my performance evaluation? Where is my review? This is really important to make sure that if there are any problems, they can be addressed, that I have an opportunity uh, to correct and enhance my performance, as they say. Very, very important uh, strategic. I think that's why a lot of times whites uh, avoid or just don't make a timely effort to do those reviews with non-white people, particularly black people. Uh, other folks uh, dialed in have uh, commentary. Do we? Is Princess the only one who works in a in a workplace where they have, uh, and it's an explicit part of policy, no hanky panky among employees? She the only one. Oh, Gus, can I answer that question? I'm sorry, I, I meant to answer that. Yes, ma'am. Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, real quick, uh, no, the policy and procedure does not have that. And in fact, I know of at least five people who have said, who have stated that they've dated people in the company, and there are a few people who have married people in the company. Ironically, though, you cannot have a family member uh, come to the company and be employed. So if you're working there, none of your family members can apply. They'll get immediately um, immediately rejected. But you can date and marry people in the company. I mean... Wow. Fascinating. Fascinating. The policies and procedures that uh, can be concocted in the workplace. <laughs> Uh, Stacy, did you have commentary on that one? Oh no, sorry, I was going to give an update. Sorry. Oh yeah, that's fine. As well. unless any other folks, we miss anybody else. The sex policies in the workplace. That must be an unpopular one. Have to uh, inquire about that again down the road. Uh, did you want to give your update, Stacy? Yeah. Okay. Um... I mentioned last week that I have had um, a problem with my hand. It's basically um, a repetitive strain. So last Friday, my arm started, my wrist started to swell. And I got to the office in the morning and it was swollen. So I probably stayed for about half an hour and then I went to um, one of those walk-in emergency centres and so my arm's been in a sling for about a week. I worked at home for a couple of days and then went into the office on Wednesday. And, um, you know, there's obviously the, the fake, you know, um, interest in my well-being. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't trust most suspects, so... I'm sure they will use anything against me, including, um, you know, the fact that I've got this problem with my arm. But anyway, so I'm been getting on with my work. However, obviously, I'm 
not able to do as much with with my arm in a sling. Now on Wednesday, I was asked if I could go to an event on today or Friday, um, but I told my manager I'm not sure because um, I'm going to try and get in to see the doctor. I have a feeling she forwarded the email to my head of team because um, I think it was the same day she then came along and asked me if I could go. Now this is because one of the uh, politicians has asked if um, the t somebody from the team could go along. Um, and then my head of team had actually said to me, oh, well, the thing is the politicians are not going because she's getting her windows installed. So I thought, hang on a minute here. Uh, you know, Windows installed me and she's got building work happening. I thought, well, why should I stop going to the hospital because this person is getting Windows installed? And you know full well that obviously I've got a problem in my arm. I didn't say that to her, but I'm thinking that. Um, anyway, needless to say, I have taken the day off to try and get in to see the doctor. I just thought to myself, you know, I'm, you know, I didn't actually stop working with my arm, but what I'm not going to do is just get to the point where I'm making myself worse for things that, I mean, it's literally they just want to be able to say somebody from the team is there. It's not that I'll actually be doing anything, and so they finally found someone else to to go along. Um, but yeah, you know, the sort of John Hen. I mean, I think in the past I probably would have felt more. Um, I would have felt more anxious about it, but I, I, I decided now um, there will be no John Henryism. My arm, there's a problem with my arm, and these people clearly have demonstrated they do not care about me, and um, I will take that well-being day. I mentioned, um, I think it was last week or the week before, about the um, new base soldier in the team who packed up my desk left her filth on the desk she <laughs> she I, I packed up her her teacup with the coffee that she left in it and um the plastic water bottle and everything was on her um everything was in a pile waiting for her now she actually moved her stuff but what she did was take the cup and leave it on the the, the side there's a sort of table to the side of the desk that runs the floor, uh, runs the span of the building. But because I'd moved her stuff nearer to the racist suspect male who sits behind me, the, let, the cup has been left there for over a week now, must be now two weeks. Um, and he was on leave for most of last week. So, and I was out of the office for the first two days of this week. So, um, I don't quite know when he came back into the office, but certainly my first day in the office this week was Wednesday. Um, so he's not moving that cup, and there's an empty glass there as well, and I'm certainly not touching it. And I mean, to be honest, it's not, it wasn't there. Sorry, he didn't leave it there. He hasn't asked me about it. I'm not saying anything. He was the racist suspect who accused me of um, being responsible for the fly infestation, which was actually the result of people spilling beer on the floor. So I'm hoping he doesn't open his mouth to me. But the race soldier is quite brazen. She she deliberately left it there. And I know he 
I, I know he can't be happy about it because he's I can tell when he's in the mood. Um, but yeah, so that's the passive aggressive racist antics that are going on in the building. Um, I have been criminalized in inverted commas. This week I was talking to one of the PAs about a briefing that um, I needed to be prepared for said politician who's getting her windows done. And um, I was speaking to her from home, so I had her on loudspeaker. And she said to me, where are you? And I said, I'm at home. She says, oh, because you sound like you're in a cell. And I kind of, I, I, I did my um, sort of shocked laugh thing, but because um, I was stunned, and then I quickly sort of paused, and I thought, okay, I need to um, codify, and um, in terms of my overall sort of progress, I need to really work on um, how I respond when people say things. I'm obviously not anticipating the racist antics. Uh, I'm not as codified on on that in that way so in terms of maybe my overall progress I, i'm i'm doing well i think i'm still at 95 percent that there are some new areas to work on being one being you know being better at focusing on answering questions sorry asking questions and putting in place you know just or or, or really practicing being silent when people say things um, whether that be racist comments like that or just, you know, using silence as a strategy. So I'm probably um, at bronze with both of those. I mean, I'm much better with questions, but I'm not where I want to be. And the last thing I'll say on um, just um, being better with victims of racism. I mentioned the non-white female who I had to put in a grievance against and her anti-blackness that she's been demonstrating over the last couple of weeks, particularly in response to when um, the team is required to draft answers to political questions. Um, this month's questions rolled around again, and I had decided, because she had irritated me in a team meeting, even though, you know, my response was okay, I mean, I was irritated, but... Um, you know, I didn't do anything that would cause me to be reprimanded. Um, I didn't like the fact that I was frustrated. So I gave it some thought. And, I, you know, in my mind, I decided that I am not going to allow her to irritate me anymore. I'm going to make the point of consciously, mentally saying this person, whatever this person does, is not going to irritate me. And I think it's actually working because this month, she responded to the question that I allocated to her. Um, I spoke to her about it because she was away when I sent the questions out and we have to turn them around in quite a tight timeline. And so I spoke to her just to remind her that it was an area box. She was fine about it. She sent me the draft. She didn't copy in any race soldiers this time. And um, when I made a correction to her work, I sent it to her to say, look, I've made this change. Are you happy with it? She came back. And she, you know, in the email, and she was happy with it, and that was fine. And so it worked out so much better. So we're making progress. I'll meet my line there, girls. 
right on for making progress with other victims. I know a lot of us have uh, big-time problems with that, so right on. Glad to hear you were able to, uh, yeah, do that, minimizing conflict. with. I think I put that in the uh, description on a weekly basis, like figuring out ways to minimize conflict with other victims of racism as best we can. Uh, well-being days. Love it. I think the system uh, encourages us to do that sort of thing all the time, like to, you know, whatever for how we're feeling and doesn't matter, you know, whatever we're going through, whatever stress and strife, you know, come on and sacrifice for the team and all that, like, you know, well-being day. Uh, absolutely love it. Take care of your arm. Uh, hope it heals uh, quickly. Um, all for that. Um, the passive aggressiveness, uh, the the leaving of their filth in your work area, of course, being done uh, in a deliberate manner. Uh, anything, any the same thing we talked about that before. All of this, uh, the stress, the strife, uh, to add up John Henryism, the stress and the strife, hypertension. Uh, and just so that we're we're not thinking as well, uh, just so all those little irritants and, and everything else uh, just pile up uh, with what they do to us uh, on a regular basis. Uh, even the comment on the phone uh, about you sound like you're in a cell, like really, I'm not saying, you know, any of these questions, but I mean, even just processing that, like, has anyone here received a phone call from someone in a cell? I haven't, um, you know, hey, <laughs> maybe I'm sure, but have you heard this white woman, racist, do you have people call you from a cell? Like, you know, that's, you know, oh yeah, I'm I'm accustomed. Teddy calls me from, you know, his cell every Thursday. It sounds just like when he calls. That's what I'm accustomed to hearing on a weekly basis. Like, come on, it's it's not even, it's not even logical. Like, again, things you would only say when talking to a nigra. That's what I associate nigras with monkeys convicts that's what you all do that's what i think of when i think of niggers so of course you know anything on the phone you probably got you locked up for selling drugs or what have you that's what we do with with niggers just being mindful of comments like that being mindful not to be upset surprised offended even to be thinking new like oh my goodness she might be a racist you should have been thinking that anyway it's just pointing out these little things, sometimes they can be more flagrant with it and leaving things on your desk and things of that nature, shoving you in the hallway. She's talked about that before, but even these little things, just little reminders of who they are. And I think it's important because sometimes all of us, myself included, we forget. We think, oh, this, you know, some days they might go a week where they're courteous. They don't call us nigger. They don't say any nigger jokes. They're courteous, you know, almost treating us as though there is no system of racism. But then boop, that little reminder, oh, yeah. This is the system that we're in, and I need to make sure that I'm alert. But, yeah, just paying attention to little comments like that. Very important. And uh, I recommend uh, listeners to not always feel like you have to uh, respond. Sometimes, I think even as Stacey was saying, sometimes nothing. Don't need to say a word. Uh, being great with not giving them the, spartle, uh, the startled laugh. I have nothing to say. Oh, I sound like I'm calling from a cell. What else are we supposed to be talking about today? You can hit him with it. You can always. I love Mr. Fuller's. I sound like I'm calling from a cell. Hmm. What's on the agenda for the rest of Nigger Friday? And you just keep on with whatever else is on the agenda.
Uh, other folks who uh, dialed in, if you have commentary you would like to share, line should be open. Last few moments. If uh, folks have anything else they need to get in, the holiday impact, uh, the workplace situation, uh, feel free. We will be here tomorrow for the compensatory call at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and I will definitely have to update about prenatal yoga teaching because uh, then I will certainly have more to share if that uh, is a regular gig uh, for doing some teaching, which I am excited to do teaching non-white people especially. Uh, any other comments? Folks want to make sure they get in. Could I ask you a question, Gus? Yes, ma'am. What has gotten you into yoga in the first place? The stress from the flood. Uh, I'm still a flood victim and uh, being displaced. Uh, it was it was and is extraordinarily uh, stressful being displaced uh, from my residence and not being able to sleep in my bed and everything else, not having my uh, little home office set up where I broadcasted from. Uh, just all that was super uh, stressful. And Seattle, with its uh, plentiful white population, they have yoga studios everywhere. So uh, I took advantage. Uh, they have lots of cheap opportunities for yoga where you can go practice for free and get all these discounts and such because they have so many studios. So I uh, went to do it to help with the stress and it has been helpful with the stress and uh, yeah, getting my weight down so that I can be a little healthier and hopefully live a little longer and a little healthier to practice or attempt to practice counter-racism. Yes, ma'am. You mentioned gratitude earlier on, and you said something about it being tacky, and I was wondering what you meant. With the uh, U.S. holiday, what they call holiday of Thanksgiving, so much of that is um, they will talk about gratitude, and they'll spend a whole lot of time uh, this week up until about Sunday talking about, oh, I'm I'm so grateful for you know such and such, and I'm so thankful for this, and we should all take the next. 20 seconds to talk about all the things that we are uh, grateful for. And I just think that's so tacky uh, in a system of racism, white supremacy. I mean, number one, white people, the only thing that it should be, we are thankful for the opportunity to mistreat niggers because that is the number one thing that they have shown they are interested in and want to do worldwide, mistreating niggers. And I never hear anybody, oh yeah, I'm thankful for the system of white supremacy. I'm thankful for the opportunity to mistreat niggers. They never say that. It's always a whole lot of nonsense and oh my family and house and all that they don't care about any of that at just every presentation that i've heard of it uh as though there are some values uh in line with correctness and equality and brotherhood and humanity and this whole holiday is associated with genocide of dark people everything about it i mean it's just it's tacky it's hypocritical uh and again the number one thing to be grateful for if you're classified as white is the mistreatment of niggers so in a nutshell, that's what that's my view on why it's uh, tacky at best. Uh, all of the talk of gratitude in this part of the world for this holiday. Uh, yeah, Gus. Yes, sir. 
Yeah, I just wanted to add in um, some of what you were saying. It's just um, whoever during this time, for, for myself speaking, um, work and outside of work, family related, tends to celebrate this holiday. And um, for those of us in the States that are listening, that are able to kind of steer away from it, um, I was able to steer away from it this year and not celebrate it. Um, I do appreciate some of the time with my family when it's constructive, um, but just to just to kind of let other people know you're not really alone in that aspect. I'm a lot of us are trying to steer away from the 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 bad vibrations, the bad energy of this time because this holiday was brought up, as you just said, off the genocide of non-white people, um, and it was literally, literally, and, and you can go look this up, literally. Every year after they did the first massacre, they celebrated by doing another massacre around the same exact time. So I'm just a kind of, I have a strong belief on foundation. And if you build something on a false foundation, especially even on a negative, evil, baseful one like that, there's no way that that could stand. And it's not, it's not healthy at all for the mind or the body or the spirit. Thank you. Right on. Context of white supremacy, correct use of time and energy. That is something I emphasize. If they do say, hey, you don't have to come to the formal plantation for today. Sometimes they give you, uh, you know, two, four days off. They say you don't have to come back. You can leave Wednesday and don't have to come back until Monday. Correct use of time and energy. Uh, if you can have constructive time with people that you care about, bravo. You can take that time to work on other projects, do some yoga, do some self-care. That's always spectacular. Uh, that's great. Um, but I mean, yeah, correct use of time and energy in the system of racism, white supremacy, that number one, and avoid tackiness, <laughs> avoid tackiness. Any other comments, workplace racism uh, related last few moments? I just wanted to ask Jay, I think it was Jay, um, just about the, the project that he has been doing. What is... I, I just think he has some leverage in the fact that this team has come back to him to work on the project, um, and especially as they they clearly or question the person who forwarded the follow up requests. Are they aware that his manager and director had? first said that he shouldn't be working on it because I just wanted to clarify that point uh, no no they're, they're not aware I um, I plan on making them aware at the exact same time um, I'm kind of uh, as funny as this is going in, in uh, the same way Gus is stating that uh, correct use of time and energy that's pretty much what I've been doing this time off um, uh, since I have today and sorry, I had yesterday and today off, I've been just prepping and planning so that when I come in, uh, to work the next day, I'll have everything planned out, sending an email to the group that's asking me to do the project, letting them know that my manager and director are not allowing it. And then also sending the, I, I, I think I, I'm going to do exactly what was stated that it was on my mind, but it's just obvious that it's it's a, a best course of action is to send the email to my manager and the director 
stating that they're reaching back out to me because the job was not done properly. Yeah, thanks for the clarification. Yeah, I, I would also just just send a follow up email to the to the team. Just again, just reiterating that you are more than willing to help out, um, just so that you they have a direct, um, uh, you know, direct communication with you, and they can see that you're willing. And there's been a term that's been used earlier, a team player. Omit my line. Thank you, Are Stacey. they singling you out for saying that the they're trying to? Are they singling you out saying that the project wasn't complete or wasn't done properly because of your doing? Or oh no, 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 not at all. They're aware that I wasn't um, involved in the project because oh. uh, again, I when they first initially reached out to me. I told them that before I can actually take action within the project, I will have to let my manager be aware, henceforth not going over his head, for lack of a better analogy, and following the proper chain of command. So they know that I had no hand in it. Okay. Context of white supremacy. Uh, any other folks with workplace racism commentary? I feel like uh, we still didn't get a whole, whole lot of errors. A good number of people did share, but I felt like we still had a good number of folks who were spectating on the errors. But yeah. Uh, oh, a uh, person wrote in, uh, make sure I share. Uh, my boss talked about this at the beginning of the program. My boss has been denying my pay time off because they think in using it to go on job. Oh, because they think I'm using it to go on job interviews. I came to the conclusion because the last time they denied me, he sends a broadcast email saying to not make plans before getting approval for pay time off. I use the word they because my white female manager controls my black department supervisor absolutely my white female supervisor spends all day terrorizing me she watches me all day long it's so bad that when she went to a thanksgiving party the company's other office in another state i got a blank call from another employee who didn't say anything but i heard her in the background telling him to send all clients directly to me in other words every client that the office deals with went straight to me the problem is i'm not licensed to deal with clients from certain states so it was just a terrible work day for me i'm not the only employee in my department so that's how we can see she's dedicated to mistreating me the following monday she came back to the office and called me just to abuse me and accuse me of not being a team player there's that word again it went in one ear and out the other i reported her to the head office and they came in to conduct an investigation on harassment uh-oh they claimed it would be anonymous and that they won't release any information provided in the investigation room to anyone but since then my white boss hasn't been terrorizing me neither have her minions i'm not letting my guard down i'm still recording all bravo last sentence most important uh you cannot ever ever uh let your guard down uh regardless of what happens if they have paused for the moment you should 
think or you should conclude that they have just uh, retreated to retrench and then they're going to attack again. Uh, it'll just be she or whomever uh, coming back with more mistreatment and more abuse to retaliate. So be prepared if you have your recording system set up or whatever you're doing to uh, protect yourself as best you can. Spectacular. That PTO, That's why I say that uh, pretty much every week, because for so many people, that is crucial. So many black people have problems. Uh, on the job around that, trying to get paid time off, trying to get sick leave, personal time for uh, whatever the case may be. Even if this person was doing it to get another job, how could you blame them? Uh, but we've heard this before, uh, them being manipulative, being sneaky, even with the PTO, wait up until the last minute and then boom, deny you. And then enjoyment, the enjoyment, they send the email out, make sure you get it approved so you're not making plans before you have your PTO already approved, which in my view, that's solid codification anyway. Uh, I think we had Stacy who shared before about requesting time off and they did the same thing. Wait around, wait around, mess over your time and energy and then deny it. And then like, oh, let's see if she's going to be tough and be a renegade and not come in uh, and just not come in. And then we can bang, write her up or fire or whatever. And she said, nope. Not going to prove it. Oh, well, I'll just come on in and be ready to roll. And she said she seemed like they were surprised. Like, oh, man, we had plans. We were going to fire that nigger. So with the PTO and what I would do, go back to policy and procedure. Now, what is our stated procedure? Our, because you're a part of the company. I'm part of the family, as they say. What is our stated policy and procedure on PTO? Now, if I followed the procedure and it didn't get approved, why is that? And in particular, is this a pattern where my PTO is not being approved and other people are able to get theirs, I would go right back to policy and procedure because this cannot be a situation where my TO is consistently being rejected. My time and energy is not being valued as a member of the team family, as they say. Uh, any thoughts on uh, what the person? Wanna... Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I was going to say in that story, it reminded me of a situation in New Orleans where... I had reported it was a white uh, female uh, manager that I worked for at another store in New Orleans. And they had came in, the DM and the regional manager came in and met with me. I had recorded that um, incident with them. It was a long recording. But nonetheless, I had written a statement. And from that particular incident, I had decided, uh, for myself at least, that unless it's going to something like the EEOC or something like that, because of the history of everything that's been going on, I'm not writing any more uh, statements for them when I have a complaint towards a manager or a team member because they basically turned around and used it against me because when I saw it and um, somehow I, I – I had came into the office, and, and this was in later on in Florida. The manager forgot to log out, and I guess he was doing notations and documents on other team members for disciplinary purposes. And so I was able to log in and see on my file that they had the incident in question, but it was literally my statement, and the manager had used um, basically just whited out whatever uh, part in, in my statement that I used and just changed the name around and made it seem as if this is something she wrote because I have the actual draft here. 
And so I was just like, oh, wow, okay. And so that's why I just said, moving forward, like, I I, I just record everything. And um, I'm not, but I'm, I won't do any, if they ask me for a statement other than the situation with the car, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm just not doing any written statements, um, not signing anything. Uh, Especially if you know that you're the one that's coming in reporting. I would just tell her to, um, depending on what the situation is in the history, to think twice about if they ask her to write a, a statement or this and the other. I, I, I personally couldn't. I, I wouldn't do it. And if they want her to sign anything, or I, I just wouldn't sign anything. Because they're going to try and find something to turn around and say, well, just so that way everybody's on the same page, we're having everybody sign this. And later on, you find out you're actually the only one that was made to sign a document, a fictitious document. So that's what they did with me. Um, but I didn't sign, of course. So I later found out that I was the only one that was presented with it. Wow, you're the only one that's been that's suspicious right there. Always, always be very, very cautious when being asked to sign things in the workplace and uh, just being read, caution, lots of caution exercise. I think Mr. Fuller has even uh, recommended that um, it might be one to request additional time uh to you know verify exactly what it is that you're being asked to sign uh to make sure that you know this is legit and this is not going to cause me problems in the future uh unless someone had something they can get in next 60 seconds can i be heard yes sir oh yes it's really quick guys uh i i uh a judge gave me uh one of his old paintings from out of his office um he asked if i if i wanted it so i said i said okay so uh, i took it downstairs and um the white people definitely were in, in shock and i used that word carefully because they asked me where did i get it from and i said well the, the chief judge gave it to me about to retire the, the one of the wardens were like oh oh really wow and um in, in leading to my next one, the supervisor used uh manipulative deception by putting the uh the potluck food list on my desk when I came in on Monday and they had then hung the picture up and they thought that since the picture was hung up, they thought I was gonna participate and I still said no. So uh she she picked up the list. And she was like, yeah, you know, this this painting looks very good. It looks very good over here. And she thought I was going to say, yes, I'll participate. And I just said, I said, no. She said, well, you're not going to. And I said, nope, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm, well, I said, no, I'm not doing it. So that was uh, two quick reports. Mm. Still trying to finagle him into the potluck. Got to come in here and get some of our poisoned vittles uh, for the holiday season like uh i don't know what's up with that that's interesting too about the uh the picture giving uh whites handing out stuff as they retire from a long career no doubt of practicing white supremacy from the bench in florida no less 
Well, uh, I hope uh, folks, well, other than Stacy, I hope folks survive the so-called holidays safely. Uh, I guess it's just another day on the plantation for Stacy and the folks outside the states, uh, which it will be uh, once we get through this weekend for the rest of us. This nonsense will be over and we can go back to uh, our normal efforts of replacing white supremacy with justice immediately. Again, we'll be here tomorrow for the compensatory call in nine Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we should be back. Global Sunday talk on racism. Sunday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Global system of white terrorism. Uh, much obliged to all the folks uh, who tuned in. Hope it was a constructive investment of your Friday evening. Uh, again, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. I know we have listeners in New Orleans. I don't know if we have folks who work in the food industry, but uh, if they have concluded that alcohol was a part of the problem for the rampant sexual terrorism uh, and that relaxing, rejecting, putting down the liquor would help to solve the problem, I think we could apply the same logic to counter racism. Dr. Welsing would certainly co-sign. In addition to being sober, Let's be buckled in every single time that we are in a vehicle, driver or passenger. Let's do all that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That's it. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cal signing out thanks all for tuning in Nigga, you so brainwashed. Goodbye. I'm a victim, brother. Problem. You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.